Coming to you from the last video store in the universe, it's Binge Movies, episode 153, I'm Jason. This is the show that ranks, eliminates movies to determine which ones are most worthy of preservation for all time, even beyond the end times. On this episode, we rank the top five highest grossing movies of 2002. And they say that a hero can save us, I'm not gonna stand Ladies and gentlemen, VHS Summer has officially kicked my ass. This has been the wettest, hottest, wildest VHS Summer. All the VHS vixens have been running wild through the shop. And when I say vixens, it's a gender-neutral term where I come from. It doesn't just mean ladies in bikinis. It also means men in banana hammocks. The hogs have been running wild all summer long. And it's left me uh, just, I'm wore out. I'm so wore out I had to call on two legitimate professionals uh to my right which means nothing to you at home Catherine gonzalez film critic podcaster uh, uh best boy gaffer uh wga striker deep in the heart of texas how's vhs summer treating you in deep in the heart of texas Catherine? oh it's going good it's pretty hot <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah. you you have a guest with you on your end. I have you as my guest, but you have a guest. Uh, who's there with you? Rexito. He's here. My dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you hear him, that he's just giving his hot takes, too. For the fellow yeah. dogs who listen, they'll understand. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, we have more dogs than women who listen to this podcast. <laughs> so it, it's actually a ratio of men, dogs, lizards, women. Yeah, and he's actually sitting down, which I guess he's been, he's growing up now, so he's actually going to, I think this is the first one he's going to listen to me, like, do a podcast. He's a proper gentleman now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's in his um, posh phase. <laughs> he's in his posh era. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. What are his thoughts on uh, Taylor Swift? Does he like Midnight's or? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, just want to know. Robert? If his dad has anything to say about it. <laughs> Okay, Robert, you're in your Midnight's Era tour. Uh, that's just you having two kids now. That's true. Yeah, and so you yeah. have a lot I'm, of late I'm, nights. I'm also, <laughs> I'm also worn down completely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Robert Yanez Jr., who is the creator and impresario of Crooked Media Productions, Crooked Table Productions, goddamn, and is uh, the host of Franchise Detours, and there's another one. I was gonna wait, wait and let you sweat it out. And uh, close watch, close watch. I knew it started with a C. When I knew him, he was just a just a just a lad with a podcast, just a great Floridian among many others with a podcast. It was called Crooked Table. It was so simple. And then he decided to build an empire. So decided to go Kevin Feige on all of us. Thanks, you, thank you for having me back on. The last time I was here, I I uh, I met the Balrog that was last movie standing. Yes, and uh, I'm coming back to you now at the turn of the tide here. That's right. Uh, for for my I'm in my white era, I guess. Yes, Robert you're <laughs> so. Robert the White. <laughs> yeah, the robe, the staff. It's a little off putting, but you carry yeah. it off well. Yeah, I make it work. Yeah, yeah. I've never yeah. I've never seen somebody with the fedora and the white cloak and the white staff and the beard. <laughs> well. I'm a trendsetter. You are a trendsetter. That's, that's yeah. You're a handsome devil 
and a trendsetter. Let's get into it. Uh, we are talking about the top five highest grossing films of 2002, which means we're going to be talking about Men in Black 2, Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, Spider-Man, that's the Sam Raimi one for all you younglings, <laughs> Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Cat's going to carry our ass through that one, and The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Is this the biggest year with twos in the title? it was 2002 it was men in black 2 it was episode 2 and it was the two towers was that just corporate synergy uh, or just the fates aligning for this episode i want to say it's the fates aligning <laughs> god bless you yeah, yeah. 20 years yeah, ago I, god conspired for us to have this episode <laughs> also it's it's a I, little I, it's a little yeah, sad yeah. to to or i don't know it's very eye opening to know that that was 20 years ago and 21 years ago. Yeah, 21 years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I still feel that. But there's, I have interns who were born in 2002. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, I consider myself your intern, Kat, in life. And I was born way before then. So, yeah. Just and I, we're all, ba if we just keep, if we hold our breath for five more seconds, we're all going to be Crooked Table production interns. We're all yeah, going to be working be for Robert one day. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, you're going to need help, Robert. You're doing so many large franchises at a time. You just wrapped up Planet of the Apes in the spring. Throughout the yep. summer, you've got what going on? I got uh, 10 X-Men movies. So everything minus the, the New Mutants and the Deadpool films. And it's funny, too, because in, in, in the movies we're going to be talking about here, yeah. uh, before Franchise Detours happened, when Close Watch was Crooked Table, uh, the Crooked Table podcast, I was doing like once a month, just checking in on a franchise and having that like spread across the year. Mm -hmm. And 2019, I did Star Wars. <laughs> 2020, I did Harry Potter. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then, as as you know, I had uh, the Lady One, my uh, my Balrog, I guess. Yeah, the Balrog had, of last, last movie. <laughs> I had her on, on Franchise Detours to talk about Spider-Man. So, yeah, so so we're we need we're needing Kat and uh, Rexito to carry us through some of these conversations. Yeah. Oh, hundred we'll percent. So yeah, this is uh we're we're really preparing our audience for a real uh, uh weak dick episode. Real, <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty interesting bunch of films yeah. though. I think. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff to get into. A lot of good stuff to get into, but this is going to be a limp dick episode. Let's get going with VHS <laughs> Summer Three, the climax, if you will. Uh, right before the hottest, most sizzling party, biggest party of the summer. Uh, Robert is familiar with this in the past. It is, of course, Beach Brawl, which is coming up. This is going to be the final episode to decide what goes on the guest list and the short list. Since there's three of us, triple threat rules do apply. I'm going to compare notes with my scores, my rankings with Robert and Kat. I will not reveal mine until the end. And then I'm going to have to align myself with either my good friend Robert Yanez Jr. or my good friend Catherine Gonzalez. And and uh, last time I I sided with you, Kat. Yeah. Um, yeah, just because you, you know, you're just nicer, uh, really. Uh <laughs> Thanks, real, real objective in our rankings. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Shots fired. Yeah, shots fired. Uh yeah. Well, Robert, you're you're Robert, you're in your midnights era. It's a you're in a different space right now. Uh, I'm on the way out anyway. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Jason just slamming the door in my ass. <laughs> this is the last episode that Robert will be. Uh... This is the last episode Robert's ever going yeah. to produce. I'm buying the rights to Crooked Mabel, <laughs> a Crooked Table in a hostile uh, takeover. And then I'll just be table. I'm walking. Yeah, yeah. I'm walking oh, yeah. Like... It's just going to be called table. I'm going to Zaslov his ass. It's just going to be table. And I'm just going to load it with all of the shittiest episodes I've ever produced. <laughs> 
The feed's not going and take away. Off his, and take off his. Oh, yeah. Take off his <laughs> highest rated yeah, episodes. The most critically acclaimed. Just get rid of them for tax purposes. <laughs> All right. Let's go with a probably unnecessary sequel. I've already given away my thoughts. It's 2002's Men in Black 2, which currently has a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. May I have your attention, please? This July, they're back in action and back in black. And if you think these guys can cook, let's make it hot. Check out the newest BK Back Porch Griller at Burger King. The Black Stack Barbecue Griller. Two flame-broiled seasoned patties, tangy sauce, melted cheese, and bacon on a bakery bun. So grab your first bite of the Black Stack Barbecue Griller. Oh, now y'all running. Men in Black 2 and the Black Stack Barbecue Griller at BK. You got it. Men in Black 2 was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, written by Robert Gordon and Barry Fonero. It's time for turn of uh, Tommy Lee Jones, last scene in Men in Black, which is in the vault. Triumph return of Will Smith, which is from Men in Black, which is in the vault. And it's a triumph return of Rip Torn, last scene in Men in Black, which is in the vault. It was released July 3rd, 2002, back when the summer season sort of meant something. On a budget of $140 million, it made $441.8 million worldwide. Agent J struggles to move on from his partner as a case from MIB's past comes back with a vengeance. Robert, your one-sentence plot synopsis. Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones shrug their way through a tired mess that does dirty to its vault-worthy predecessor. Robert coming in hot. Catherine, what do you got? The one with Laura Flynn Boyle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're all uh, seem to be of agreement. Here's let's start with some positives here. I think there are details that we just don't get anymore, even in top class movies. And this is going to sound so stupid and so simple, and you probably didn't even notice it. I'm talking about when Sarlena's worm pod lands and it's in perspective, and it turns out it's not huge, it turns out it's a miniature. But it's when the worm pod plant thingy that she is starts moving towards the camera. The entire shot is digital, if I'm not mistaken. At least the background, it might be real grass, but the background definitely is, the creature definitely is. And when it's moving towards the camera, quote unquote, the what's in the foreground is blurry and what's in the background is in focus because the camera lens is in focus on the ship and the pod thing. You don't see that with CGI anymore. They don't actually try to create CGI that looks like it's having a different effect on, but the lens is reacting to it differently. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. So if you're shooting something for real and the, the lens and the camera is focused on the background, the, the what's in the foreground is going to be blurred. Everybody knows it has tilt shift on their freaking uh, Instagram. And it's like a similar thing. And uh, it was just a little thing that I noticed. I was like, I don't know the last time I saw a movie, even though now all of our movies are completely inundated with CGI. I don't know the last time I've seen a movie where it tried to convince me the object was actually in the frame like lens wise it was it was a nice touch i know from the looks of both of your faces you do not give a shit so we'll move <laughs> on uh laura flynn boyle shows up as a victoria's secret monster with a binge and purge joke was that funny uh when she gorged herself and then puked because yeah. laura flynn boyle had an eating disorder was that funny no it was actually i i i, I don't remember when i learned of her eating disorder probably way later um so watching it and knowing that history it was kind of very like the whole thing like when she's eating a even during the movie she's eating like a big mac and there's like all these like jokes Mm, to it and i was like i don't i mean i would hope she was in on it but also even if she was like it's just bad to like put that in there i don't know it just felt really 
it, I didn't like it at all. It was just kind of, it was very, um, what's the word? Um, not cool. And, um, in poor taste. yeah. And poor taste. Even it like, to, yeah. like, even if she was like, like, okay, we can, we can make fun of it. Like clearly like she was probably still in it. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Um, so seems to be. Yeah. And it just, it felt like what, like imagine going on, I can just imagine what was going on behind the scenes with her and probably like, Oh, like, so it, that actually irked me more than I think, I mean, a lot more than I thought like ever watching this. Cause I think knowing that now I'm like, this is really bad that they were doing that. Yeah. And especially having her in the lingerie and like, there's another movie on our list too. Like just very, the 2002 isms of what we were accepting back then. I was like, Whoa. Mid-drifts. Okay. Yeah. We loved midriffs. <laughs> yeah. We love women in, in midriff bearing shirts. In fact, marketing, I don't know if you guys know this, but marketing at the time, the late nineties, early two thousands, they had two terms for teen teenagers. They had a term for teenage girls and a term for teenage boys. The term for teenage girls was midriffs. And the term for teenage boys, I think, was mooks, midriffs and mooks, because they basically said uh, teenage boys are nothing but cavemen. So if you just ap appeal to them through violence and sex, that's how you get their money. And teenage girls just all want to be Britney Spears. So if you just appeal to them through like makeup and sex appeal and, and convince them that they need to be sexy, that's how you get them. And I think MTV created those two terms. And then it spread mm. throughout the marketing world. And so if you go back to early 2000s marketing, every girl is in a midriff bearing shirt. Mm -hmm. And every boy is like a violent, weird creepo. And it just reinforced uh, the society we live in today. So sorry, Gen Z, we're fucked as millennials. <laughs> the world you're going to inherit from us will be better than the world we inherited from the boomers. But not by much. <laughs> Do parts of this movie look like Space Jam to anybody else? Mm -hmm. When Agent J is writing, mm -hmm. yeah. Jeff, I was like, am I watching Space Jam? Even though Space Jam is what, 95? <laughs> yeah. 96? 96, I think. 96? Yeah. This is six years later, and it's, it's this movie looks like dog shit. Yeah, the CG. Like, it was that yeah. whole opening scene. Like, I really love the... Um, those videos that they created, you know, um, with, with the thing. Those were cool. Mysteries in History with your host, Peter Graves. Although no one has ever been able to prove their existence, a quasi-government agency known as the Men in Black supposedly carries out secret operations here on Earth in order to keep us safe from aliens throughout the galaxies. Here is one of their stories that never happened from one of their files... That doesn't exist. Like the, there, it's one at the very beginning, and then one in the middle. I think when um, Kay is explaining what happened. Um, yeah. And so it felt like I want more of that movie, but then the rest of it was it's just horrible. Because then I, 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 I watched that movie, and then uh, my husband came in for like the last bit of it, and we we're just like, this is all just bad. Like you know, like it just felt really bad. And we're like, let's just. He had never even. He didn't even know there was a third and the fourth one. He's like, do you think? should do a remake and i was like they did it it was bad oh it's um, horrible yeah and, horrible. And, then, and then and then uh and then but we started watching the third one it was way better like the jokes were landing and i was like that oh, yes. like i didn't i didn't yes. we didn't finish it but i was like wow this is like infinitely better which is weird yes. i didn't i don't i don't remember the third one being worse than the second one but then like seeing it right like that was a drastic um I guess there was 10 years in between you would think it would be really worth, but it was all, it was just funny from the beginning. Like the first one yes. was, 
Yes. And so the second one must have just been that, like, let's just make another one because, you know, we need to make money and summer blockbuster. It still took five years. Yeah. Like, if this came out the year after, then I'd be like, all right, they yeah. just rushed it. Whatever. It was just, like, lackluster. But they seemingly took their time developing the second Which one. Which is worse. And then this is what they came up. Well, way worse. Yeah. I mean, I... You know, I, I loved the first mm-hmm. one still. Yeah. And I saw it in theaters and I saw this in theaters and it was immediate like, oh, no, mm-hmm. like pretty early on. You're like not very little of this work. This is, I think, the third time I've seen this movie. I saw it in theaters and I think at some point over the years I watched it a second time. I was like, maybe I was too hard on it. I was like, oh, no, I hate this even more now. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm a, I'm I'm a little resentful of Jason for making me have to watch this a third <laughs> time because I I really it, very little of this movie works for me. Even the Lara Flynn Boyle thing, like it's a one note joke. It's like she's a monster, but she looks hot, yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much all you. That's it. That's all she's got yeah. going on. Um, they give us more of things. They give us more of the worms. They give us more of Frank the Pug. He was the best part, though. He better. was the best part in a way, <laughs> like in a. It, until they give him easy jokes like jamming out to who let the yeah, dogs out. Yeah, although I like that, like that though. You're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, but now I'm seeing yeah. it through a dog, like you know, just so right, I exactly. can go. You're seeing it through a dog's eyes. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah you're reading Rexito's <laughs> notes exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Rex whispered in your ear and was like, "That was my favorite part." Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It was. I felt represented. That's the only representation he has in the entire uh, thing here. Uh, yeah, everything here is worse. Uh, what's amazing is I talked about uh, Men in Black Three for the Stu World Order podcast. Robert, I know you're familiar with uh, the Stu yes. World Order. And um, that'll be coming out in the fall of 2023. And I unabashedly defend that movie because I think it actually gets better with time, too. The further removed you are, now after they got Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, who stunk up the screen, mm-hmm. the likes of which I have not seen between mm-hmm. two star actors who have previously had comedic and romantic sexual chemistry and had zero fucking chemistry they might have they might as well have been aliens to each other i've never seen something so abysmal oh, that's not true but i uh <laughs> as far as like a legacy sequel soft reboot remake whatever trying to cash in a franchise that's one of the all-time worst we've collectively forgot as a society men in black 3 is actually the closest to i think the humor and sensibilities it feels like the first movie in a mm-hmm. weird way mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even though Josh Brolin is K most of the time, and he does an excellent job. Yeah. Because um, that could be hokey, but it isn't. This is hokey horseshit all the way through. Will Smith still has the Ali cadence. There are scenes when he's talking where he's still in the Muhammad Ali pattern and way of speaking. And I'm like, you're fucking Ali. You're not Agent J. The first movie, okay, I, the first movie is really simple. It's a complete and total story that ends on a heart-breaking note when Kay, after all they've been through, goes, you ever just stop looking at the stars? It's perfectly bookended with what happened at the beginning of the film with H? Is it H? Maybe? Something. The old man, his mentor, (laughs) and Men in Black. And you're like, oh, shit. Oh, no, because by that point, the movie has earned, we've, this is a, dynamic iconic duo by the end of that first film and the throwback suits and the piece of shit throwback car the cutlass supreme or whatever they're driving all of it is feels so iconic instantly the only wrong note in that entire movie is the very very end where linda fiorentino becomes a men in black agent and they're in Mm -hmm. armani suits that are horribly dated and they change the glasses and all that sort of shit 
And this movie doubles down on that. It's like, well, why have all the iconic stuff that you remember from the first film when it could all just be product placement? So the suits are different. The car is a fucking Mercedes Benz. Like, oh, this is the new hotness. They try to make it a joke. It fucking sucks. The new song sucks. It's uh, nod your head stinks. It does. It does not top the original. Here come the men in black. This is no. garbage. And you're wrong. We Robert, you're wrong. We don't get more of everything because guess who's not in this movie? The fucking twins. They're not even in on the set. The tw- Bob and blah, 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 are gone. Oh, They're yeah. gone. Oh, yeah. They're gone. Where are the fucking twins, Robert? <laughs> Where are the fucking twins? Answer me. Um. The contract negotiations just didn't work out. <laughs> they haven't had work since. They haven't had steady work since. <laughs> Poor guys. Poor guys. Is it because they're conjoined? I don't know. Where's the representation for conjoined? Uh, not only that, but they're like flower pod creatures. She's a flower pod creature. Go. Well, I, maybe they had Johnny Knoxville with the two heads, and they were like, we can't have. We already got that representation. Oh, that's, all of that is horrible. All of that is horrible. <laughs> that is horrible. Oh, uh, yeah. It looks horrible. Johnny Knoxville, his character is pointless. Like, it's not even, it's yeah. not funny. He doesn't do anything, and he disappears in the third act. It was just so fucking bizarre. Uh, this movie stinks. Well, final thoughts, either one of you. Let's pass this. No, I, I, you know, I really hate this movie. I, I always have. It negates the original's ending, like you were saying, Jason. Uh, I always felt like if they were going to make a sequel, just commit to no Tommy Lee Jones and just have it yes. be Will and Linda Fiorentino or something. This movie can't decide whether Will is, you know, uh, the new hotness or old and busted because half the movie yes. he's just like, oh, I've been so tired of being a man. But dude, just you've only been doing this for a few years. It took Kay like 30, 40 years to get to that point. Yeah. Here he's already like, uh, I'm a veteran at this. I'm tired of being a part of the men in black. I kind of want out. There, there could have been something there uh, as far as the, you know, the, the subplot of him missing personal connection and him sort of not neuralizing Rosario Dawson's character, who, by the way, is one of the only good things about this movie. Oh, this is the first time I saw I don't think so. Rosario Dawson no, in anything. In and she's not great in well, it. They don't give her anything I to like do. Rosario Dawson. <laughs> they, exactly. Yeah. No, they give her. Just uh, smile with wide eyed. Yeah. <laughs> She's so beautiful, yeah, but yeah, she was just like wide-eyed. Spider. It's our introduction to Rosario Dawson. Maybe that's why. I'm like, oh, there she is. Good. Something. Our introduction to different. Rosario Someone Dawson friend. is the very problematic movie Kids, where they had real underage kids oh, yeah. doing real crazy shit. So that's our and, introduction. And, he, and here we have Rosario Dawson hanging out with the worm guys with like, don't fall asleep I know. jokes. Oh, yeah, that was which bad. Which I was just like, oh, oh God. Well, um, now hang on a second. That's bad. <laughs> Yeah. In the logic of the movie, if anybody in Men in Black is going to get handsy, it's going to be the worms. <laughs> True. That's literally but their character. They're thieves. They're liars. They're blasphemers. And, you know, they're they're grabby. They're gropey. I think they're gropey across <laughs> I, the board. I, guess. I, I don't think Jay could fall asleep with them. I think they'd grab at him, too, or pick, pickpocket them. They're bad. They're bad little worms. Um, yeah. Uh, so much of this is just reheated. Like, you have... Uh, Kay coming in and getting the last suit he'll ever wear. Pause again, and we're just like, oh Jesus! Um, the locker thing, the the, the society in the locker, all hell K, all hell K. The twist at the very end with them being in in a locker, and it, it, it just very, it's just this warmed over gags from the first movie that are, are worse this time around. And you have, did you laugh you have, at the idea that pornography is a part of their religion? <laughs> Not no, I didn't. Uh, 
Um, the only thing that made me laugh is that I, because I forgot about this gag is when Kay is being, uh, is taken into headquarters to try and deneuralize him. And, uh, he sticks his hand in that little blue sphere and it creates a tidal wave and all these little aliens are like, all is lost running. That was the only time I I laughed in this movie. Other than that, it's all, uh, rip torn and wire work for some reason. Uh, the ball chinians, uh, I don't know. Overextended gags like in the pizza place pointing around. Uh, yeah, I have nothing but negative things to say. Can you explain to us what a ball chinian is, Robert? I don't know why you're delegating me the the expert on this, <laughs> but uh it is an alien race in which a pair of testicles are dangling from the alien's chin. Can- and uh, that's their sore spot. Cat, is that is that funny? No, I actually, I, I think I, 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 I like looked away doing something when I was watching it and then I looked back, I was like, what is that? And then I was like, and then he gets kicked in the ball, like in the, the thing. And I was like, oh my God, that's so stupid. Is the scrotum yeah. on the chin smart? Is that smart writing? Either one of you, I'm, it's open for discussion. We're all in agreement it stinks, so let's say how bad does it stink? Kat, we'll start with you. What's your score? What's your rank for Men in Black 2? Yeah, so it's my fifth one, and it's a 5 out of 10. Okay, all right. So number 5, 5 out of 10. All right, all right. Uh, Let's see here. I should have planned accordingly. (laughs) Okay, all right. And Robert, what about you? Uh, It's also my fifth of the, uh, my worst of the week. You guys are crazy. I'm much less... A- I'm much less kind than Cat. I'm going 2.5 out of 10. <laughs> you guys are absolutely crazy because there's a movie we're going to talk about right now. It's one of the worst things that's ever been put to film. And by film, I mean digital camera. All right, well, moving on to a movie that should be the worst of everybody's week and worst of everybody's lifetime and worst <laughs> in everybody's franchise. One of the worst movies ever made by a human being, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, which has a 65% Rotten Tomato Zoomers, I don't care what you say. Don't you cannot revise history. This is garbage. Blast, this is why I hate flying. Anakin, do you copy? This is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Always a pleasure to meet a Jedi. Rated PG. It was directed by George Lucas, written by George Lucas and Jonathan Hales with Triumph Fraternity and all these people from Star Wars. It came out May 16th, 2002 and a budget of $115 million. We were all duped yet again. $653.8 million. A creepy, abusive, emo jerk as a lovelorn space Jesus and for some reason, no one notices. The Star Wars saga takes a big step towards the dark side thanks to the galaxy's cringiest love story. And then I always remember it as just the one before the the one I actually like from the old movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, everything about Star Wars has been wrong since 1997, roughly, since the special editions. Um, not a single good decision has been made about Star Wars since the 90s. It needs to be done. It needs to be put to bed. They need to stop trying. They need to stop doing anything with it. Maybe a couple of video games have been good. That's about it. Um, especially within the main continuity and this main quote-unquote saga. It wasn't a saga. 
there was the saga was told. It was in three movies. The best part of this story and the best part of the Sci- Skywalker anything concluded in 1983. And we never, ever needed to return to any of these characters. I don't need to know where people get blasters. I don't need to know about bugs in people's blood. I don't need to know, especially when you're going to choose to make Darth Vader, of all people, the savior of the universe and the most pivotal character who's ever existed in the history of everything. And you make him an eight-year-old Muppet who cannot act. And then you, and then you cast a completely different person who is immediately, as soon as this movie starts, one of the most unlikable, psychotic, actively evil, unhinged people in history. And this is supposed to be when he's likable. He has got a line very early in the movie where he's like, she turned, it's like, why can't we see in the room, Obi-Wan? It's like, she turned the cameras off. I don't think she likes me looking at her. It's not just that Hayden Christensen is awful in these movies. And I don't give a shit about Obi-Wan Kenobi because that's that is one of the worst things. That's one of the worst TV shows of all time. Fuck all of that. Hayden Christensen is an awful performance, but the character of Anakin Skywalker, all of their good memories, all of this, his heroics, all of the things that would ever endear us to this character happen in between the movies of episode one and episode two. Star Wars is addicted to telling their worst fucking stories and then giving Dave Filoni a cottage industry of having to go, well, actually, in between, in these five years, all this amazing stuff happened. And there's we have to introduce 50 more Jedis and 25 more Yodas and 65 more droids and three and a half more Darth Vader prototypes before we get to it to make sense of any of it. And it's just tired. Star Wars is tired. It's dead it's in the dirt how many fucking half robot sith lords do we have now the clone wars and the hunting of darth vader hunting the jedi was supposed to have wiped all but two out all but two in the galaxy how many fucking jedi are left over now every week another jedi emerges seemingly in some kind of continuity it's like oh i was a hidden jedi and i have all these incredible powers it's like where the fuck were you Every time they do more, it becomes less. And it ruins this, which is a simple fucking story about a boy who's basically King Arthur killing a monster and then killing the spooky monster wizard. Why is Palpatine a 45-year-old man? Palpatine is a 10,000-year-old spooky fucking wizard. When he gets off of that ship in Return of the Jedi, when you saw that as a kid, did you think to yourself, well, he's about probably about 47 years old and has a wife and a child and a granddaughter? No. You were like, that's a spooky wizard like out of fucking Disney. That's, it's, 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 he's a classic spooky evil wizard. He's a million fucking years old. He's not a guy who just couldn't stop blasting himself in the face and turn into the fucking monster mash. I hate this shit. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I hate the idea that I now live in a world where people are like, no, this is good. No, it isn't good. Everything that's wrong with Star Wars is like the trajectory is just off from frame one. All the story alignments and character alignments are wrong. Why does Palpatine need to be a middle-aged man? Why does Anakin have to be a child? Why do you cast a Obi-Wan? And I think, you know, no, no offense to you, McGregor, because he does a good job. He's the only redeeming thing in any of this. But why do you cast somebody so young when 18 years later, the guy's 80 years old? Get a fucking middle-aged actor, for fuck's sake. What are we doing here? None of this makes any sense. 
There is nothing about Anakin Skywalker that would make Padme fall in love with him. Why can't she be a queen and a senator? Why did she have to give up being the queen of her planet to be a senator for the Galactic Republic? It doesn't make any sense. She's representing her goddamn planet. I hate this shit. I hate it. Anakin is unhinged. <laughs> He's imbalanced. Anakin Skywalker behaves more like an 80s movie bully in this movie than he does a hero at any point in time. He's whiny, cringe-inducing performance. It's as bad as we said in 2002, and revisionist history will never undo the damage this film has done to the Star Wars saga. Not a single person has learned a single lesson in the history of Star Wars from this movie. They just continue repeating its horrible failure over and over again. Watch the book of Boba Fett and tell me it isn't fucking Attack of the Clones. Watch, watch parts of goddamn Solo and tell me it isn't fucking Attack of the Clones. I don't give a shit where he got his last name. I don't give a shit where he got his blaster. I never wanted to know that somebody fucked the Millennium Falcon before its computer was plugged in. I don't need to know why the Millennium Falcon's so sassy. All It's just a funny gag that it, it, it cusses C-3PO out. That's the gag. It's funny. It's a foul mouth computer. Ha ha ha. I didn't know that it was a robot Lando Calrissian fucked. I didn't need to know that. That's not funny. That's weird. This stuff is junk. Star Wars is junk. And I don't ever want to watch it ever again, except for some of the Mandalorian. Because the, the Mandalorian goes down by Disney. Yeah, because the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian is not about any of this shit for the most part. When it's just about fucking space adventures between a guy and a Muppet on some weird planet with monsters, that's fine. That's what Star Wars is now. Let it be that. I don't need any more of this shit. I don't want any more kyber crystals and Sith Lords. I don't want to spend $5,000 in a warehouse in Orlando to, to pretend like I'm traveling among the stars. And apparently nobody else does either because a year after they fucking opened it, they closed the goddamn thing. This is stupid. Fuck you, Star Wars. I hate you. So, go ahead. <laughs> There's Jason with a very measured <laughs> response to this movie. That's pretty easy. I feel like I can't add to that. I, I'll get... Palpatine has a line in this movie where he goes, basically says, Anakin, never listen to anybody and you will be unstoppable. And they're like, I, we think there's a Sith Lord somewhere around here. You think? <laughs> and then there's another thing where it's like, oh, well, maybe, uh, maybe Count Dooku. Who the fuck is Count Dooku? They present to us, Count Dooku just exists like he was in the first movie. We've never heard of this son of a bitch. And then it's just like, oh, but he's doing clones, but there's another Jedi that ordered clones. How many, Je every Jedi becomes a Sith for at least six months of their life. This is all stupid. It's so stupid. Count Dooku, Count Dooku. And then one of them is like, well, maybe, maybe Count Dooku's the bad guy and fucking, uh, Sam Jackson. Yeah, Sam Jackson's like, well, he's a former Jedi. It's not his nature. Not in his <laughs> nature. First of all, every Jedi's evil. They're all either incompetent or evil. And on top of that, yeah. he's a former Jedi, which seems to be it would be in his nature because he decided not to be a peacekeeper in the galaxy. The fucker decided to leave the Jedi Order. Why wouldn't it be in his nature to make evil fucking clones? And Boba Fett. Oh, well, I needed to know who Jenga Fett was. It's the same fucking guy. They couldn't even give like their whole idea. Like we're going to make Boba Fett. Or we're going to flesh him out into a real character. No. He's just a guy in a fucking suit. He just has a cool suit. And in the 80s, that's all we fucking needed. We just needed guys in cool suits. We don't need his fucking backstory. And they give it to us. It's not a backstory. He's just a clone of another guy in the same goddamn suit. <laughs> in the same suit. What the f 
fuck? And then, oh, and when he picks his dad's head up and the dad's head doesn't slide out of the helmet. As soon as that kid picked that helmet up, that head is dropping out of that helmet. This movie is I don't want I don't want to be that guy, but there I think there's a shadow of the head bouncing out of the helmet off screen. Like is there? when it bounces. Is it like PG is that the PG thirteen they have to like adhere to? I think yeah. you can like see like it's, it's a small detail. See I'm I don't know. Cat, do you want to follow this? Because or do you well, want to this movie is actually jump on the blade? <laughs> this movie is actually my favorite film in the Star Wars saga. It's actually my number one ranked in the show. <laughs> and that's how I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And that's Go how uh, we ended our friendship. <laughs> no, I, I remember I just because I do like the third one. I think just because it, it goes into like the Darth Vader kind of thing, and I think they it, it, it just kind of leads into those other movies, I guess. But um yeah. I I remember it being even when I seen it back then because I I didn't have the the knowledge I have now of like what was good and bad I guess I just was going at it like from like you know twelve year old kind of thing but I still remember it being like a little bit boring I never liked watching this one as much like the first two um, so going back I was like oh I don't know and I still remember the cringe um, lines and then I just I just it's I find it funny because watching it, it's like so staged like it's not even like it's just Padme and Anakin are like now they're sitting in the couch and let's do this romantic line like you know and, and then or they're like or they're playing in a field you know it's just like it, like just basic 101 that's not how things happen and I know movies are a little different like obviously there's a lot of sure. things that are not the way it really happens and we don't need I don't need authenticity of like the way it actually happens because that's boring but it just that just felt overly that's why I think it was overly awkward too, because it's okay if they're not like, obviously this was, I think Caden's first movie or something or whatever. And it's a, it's a big, like big thing to take on. So yes. I was, I kind of, now I give him a little bit more leanings because I remember like having a crush on him after this and blah, blah, and followed his career for whatever it was. And um, so I kind of give, give him leniency because that was not an is, easy situation. And if someone said, Hey, you want to play Anakin Skywalker? You would, even you, I think would be like, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> Um, sure. and, and get that, you know, that like, that's, that's a crazy role of a lifetime. Sure. And so I know he was probably, you can see also, I think he was really trying his best. And, um, and then Natalie Portman, who's, you know, at that point had done so much, um, she's, I think really trying to, to, to do what she can. Um, but it just, I don't know, it felt so forced and, um, I think they didn't they didn't give him a, a fighting chance in those scenes because there's other movies where you see like they're not as good actor but like it's just so natural and like yeah. it doesn't feel as there's like charm. oh they really, yeah, there's yes. charm yeah and yeah. so you can kind of look past that but they make it so obvious that like this is his first one and then I couldn't get over just because like having my ha having my uh, hair like the little that I I used to put like fake things and so like seeing his braid just makes me so even back then, like that straight thing, it just feels so fucking fake. I was like, could you get a little wave in there? <laughs> <laughs> like, like it was just so bad. And then, um, is there I never, anything I never liked a, that as a woman is other than his looks, is there anything about not Hayden Christensen, but the character of yeah. Anakin Skywalker, is there anything attractive or likable about him? Watching it now. I, cause I don't know what I was thinking back then. I was probably like, Oh my, you know, whatever. Um, I was, it made me so cringe. Like it was like the things he would say, like, especially after he like 
goes and finds his mom and he's like, oh, I killed all these people, even the women and children. And she's just They're like, animals. Yeah, he, I he killed them like animals. MAGA tirade. Like, yeah. It's okay. People get angry. Yeah. yeah. To be angry is to be human. Like, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I was okay. just like, okay. Because it also, it, it really diminishes Padme's character where yes. she's used to be a queen and she was all about the Republic. And then you would, and she, she tries to fight it in a way, but then like she... I, I wish if they had proposed, like, if Anakin had been, like, more of a, like, more charismatic, maybe a little bit yes. older, and just, yeah. and and he go because it's, like, the, the villain, like, Killmonger, you can kind of understand, like, you know, they turn, they're not bad, but they have that sort of, like, you know, like, we there could have been a part where his history, like, growing up, he's kind of a messed up child, never had really therapy, then you go into this Jedi training program, you can't just turn off you can't just turn off your emotions even though they're trying to, it's sort of like a little bit cultish you know, in that way Um, so I I think there could have been a really compelling story where she could have if he had just been more charming and less cringy and less like stalkery and like I loved you since I was 10 and she was I don't know what, like 20 or something Yeah, which is not that bad because I mean there's the the it's always the opposite, like the older men with the younger women, and we accept yeah, that. So right. I was like, okay, cool, right. power to Padme, you know, whatever. Right, right. So, um, but if I'm going to go younger, then I need it to be some like compelling, like, really charismatic, correct, and there, person, not a child. Like I would feel like I would be his mom. Like, don't go do anything bad, Anakin. Like, <laughs> right. He never. Here's the whole point. He never needed to be eight years it's old. It's not attractive. Yeah. It's he could have just been her age. Yeah, because it really and undermines her. Like, yes, kind it of undermines being like, her entire character. Yeah, because she's just choosing this person who obviously she she knows is gonna is not the best, which is fine. Because like I said, if they had given him more of a compelling thing of like this thing, but he just is very whiny and like has these issues, and then just says the weirdest stuff. Like if he's never like been around. I don't know. Like it just, it just feels weird. Like, why would you go in this? He's like, way? I want democracy, and he's like, Well, that's what we're. She's like, Well, that's what we're doing. But sometimes there's a debate, and you can't reach a compromise. He's yeah. like, Did I just make so them compromise? And yeah, she's just like, so well, you childish. Can't. And like, it just seems like <laughs> he's like, Oh, just, just I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is what it comes down to. Yeah. This character that they end up making, regardless of who plays him, that they make, they end up making this entire prequel trilogy is not the character that Alec Guinness is talking about when he's sitting down when mm. talking and describing his father to Luke. He's like, well, you knew my father. And he's like, oh, yes. By the time I met your father, he was, always, he was already the, the galaxy's greatest star pilot. And he was a cutting warrior and a good friend. Like, that's not this guy. Because when we see him, he's like, no, Master Obi-Wan, I won't do what you tell me. Yeah, it just feels like it feels real. It feels like teenage girl, like the stares of people. He's a teen girl. Like, Don't tell me what I do. Yes. You know, like, and I he's was just a like, teenage Ugh. girl. Like he's a stereotypical teenage girl. It's yeah. like this isn't the world galaxy's greatest star pilot. Why? Because he was an eight-year-old Muppet who did the fucking <laughs> race on a pod racer. Pod race? That doesn't make him the galaxy's greatest star. Cunning warrior? Because he blew up the trade? What the fuck? At some point, they're like, well, it's either the Trade Federation or the the uh, uh, something guild. And it's just... Commerce guild. Commerce yeah. guild or Trade Federation. Those are synonyms. Those are the same thing. They go to a 1950s diner in Star Wars, for God's sakes. And he's like, oh, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi, his old friend, Dexter Jetster. And here's a everybody's favorite. Everybody's Jason. favorite. Everybody's Dexter's favorite. Jetster of the Dexter 1950s. Jetster. Even the robots on roller skates serving milkshakes. Whoa, it's Star Wars. Get it? American Graffiti. I made that too. I mean, listen, if you're just yeah. going to repeat a lot of the shit you've already done, which is what this trilogy yeah. does, 
then why isn't Anakin Skywalker have a little bit of the suave of yeah, like Han, I, I, would, I would prefer. Yeah, I would prefer why the Django Fett character in this one. Yeah. You know, like that. Yeah. Like I, I would, I would, if I was Padme, I would go with him. Like, yeah, because like, if you got a Han Solo sort of character, like, what if it's his? Well, he's so good, he's got swagger. And what if, yeah. what if swagger is his downfall? Because it's pride. then you have Padme be like, well, maybe I can fix it. Yeah, exactly. It's also yeah. that horrible because trope of women got, trying yeah. to fix like men. Right. Well, yeah. yes. But well, here's the thing: what if which he, horrible trope do you want? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's the thing. If he's a but here's the thing: if he's a good guy and we see him, he's heroic and he helps people and he helps the innocent mm. and he's idealistic, but he's just a tad arrogant, just a tad mm. arrogant. Because the whole thing is, I thought I could train him like Yoda trained me, and I was wrong. He was too old and all this sort of shit. It's as if George Lucas never went back and watched his original films yeah. to decide who the fuck these yeah, characters were. And I just, because here's the thing, if you're just going to repeat it, well, then we could see, well, because they're clearly doing a thing where well, obviously Leia gets her, you know, I'm going to become a general and shoot guns and stuff from Padme, right? Mm -hmm. And they even do the fucking proto bun haircut 10 times on Padme just to reinforce that's Leia. That's Leia. She's in all white. That's Leia. That's Leia's mom. And you just fucking double down on it. I'm not saying it's good because you should just write a new character. But if you're not going to, you just make Anakin Skywalker goddamn Han Solo and a Jedi Han Solo. And by the way, now that we have a sequel trilogy, that would make fucking sense of why Ben Solo is the way that he is. But we finally see him at the end where he's a little bit of both. He's a little bit of Luke. He's a little bit of Han at the end. You know, I, fuck, man. It's just it's just like they, these people. The, I, I, how do you make so many bad decisions? I don't understand it. And also uh. the thing that always got me about the whole the whole series, like all nine or whatever, is like we never see any of the, besides like I think I really like the first one with the the double uh lightsaber thing. Yeah. But we yeah. never saw any of those cool battles. I was like I kept hearing Jedi's are the the best whatever and no, never flame. see any of those <laughs> yeah. battles like we see a lot of like in this uh, the, the against ships and things and those kind of battles like in the air but right. um I just I always wanted that epic fight scene and I, I think there's like a few but like it's like they're so great but i was like i need to see it at one point like you guys are just whining over here like we didn't see any of uh any of any of his training we just no. assume like oh I'm, right. I'm i'm gonna be the best you know I like i would even like if they had put like a fighting montage between him and uh sort of like we get in dune now like you know when they're training he's training yeah, him yeah. to do kind of like the um be like the warrior like i wish we would have got some of that it just feels like there's too much like we're going on what they're saying but then what they're saying is shit so then we can't even go <laughs> so it's, it's not like it's not even like john wick when like in the first john wick movie where they're right, like oh he's right. like he killed a guy with a pencil and like we're like yeah right but we're like cool that sounds awesome and then we see it happen yes correct second. and yeah. then and then they live up to it you know even if he didn't live up to it at least it was like we saw they tried to live up to it this one we right. just hear a bunch of stuff and i think that's also why we had a lot of great adventures off screen yeah <laughs> it's like, just, oh thanks like can you show what can you show one of those instead of like him just sitting whining, on a couch you know? on a yeah. whining on a couch for 45 minutes like a fireside like how did we even get there like there's no entrance like you guys were just like I, I i never i've never God. sat there like with my head like let's just sit down and like you know yeah like, i don't know how did that conversation yeah, start yeah. yeah they just sit down and there's yeah all of a sudden he's like i'm haunted by the kiss that you should never yeah. have given me and all of that. Uh, when so, like, I was eight years old, I've been haunted every day since a innocent yeah. kiss you gave me. Yeah. yeah. Did I mention I don't like sand? Um, <laughs> Go ahead, I mean, Rob. I don't like no, sand either, but it was just weird. It was just yeah. weird. Part of the, so 
first of all, if they were if they were going to do a prequel trilogy, this should have been they should have started from this point. Mm-hmm. Correct. In the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Episode one, and this is why I prefer episode two to episode one, is because this story is at least pertinent, at least going somewhere. It's giving us the beginning of the Clone Wars. It's giving us the if we're going to explore the origin of everything, at least giving us the origin of things instead of the story behind the story that happens before things actually start, which is what the previous movie yeah, is. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. So I, I appreciate that part of it. We get, you know, we get Anakin and Obi-Wan's dynamic. We get the beginning of the Death Star. We get, if we're going to go back with Boba Fett and give us a backstory that we don't need, at least we, you know, we're exploring some of these characters in the history in the universe. I'm kind of, I, I have a weird place for this movie because I'm that, that's that, that bizarre strain of star wars fan that i was born when return of the jedi came out i was born that year Mm -hmm. so i should have grown up with those movies but i didn't even really get into star wars until the special editions so i uh i've never been bothered by a lot of those changes in the same way that a lot of people are the job of the hut scene obviously is terrible and greedo shooting first that kind of thing i'm younger than you robert i'm younger than you robert don't make it seem like i'm an old man i'm younger than you (laughs) i didn't say that (laughs) But you, but you got, but you probably saw Star Wars before the special edition. Yeah, it was on TV constantly. Reference yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. See, I didn't really get into that yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. So I was fully on board with these movies at the time, and so I am weirdly, I'm probably the most positive on this movie, even though I concede that everything Jason says is accurate. Uh, Why the, isn't the this entire he, trilogy about the Clone Wars? I mean, and we never see. Yeah, yeah. No, we never fucking yeah, see. Yeah, we no. We there's an animated series. That, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that came out twenty years later. Decision. Dave Filoni was like, <laughs> yeah, "Let me yeah. fix this shit," which he's doing now, by the way. Yeah, although but, Ro- yeah. I, I, I do feel the same way as Robert because I think I may have seen like bits and pieces of the old one on TV, you know, like on cable yeah, yeah. when it was on, but yeah. I never really yeah. got into it because I think I was too young still. Yeah. So I think these were the ones when I started going to the theater. And so I couldn't, I, I, I did start with these. So I think I don't have as much hatred either for these. Yeah. And then the second, like in the second. Robert was born in the 70s, Kat. And you were yeah, born, yeah, I was 88, you were born yeah, in 1980, yeah, 1998. Yeah. So that's years different. Old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like then, <laughs> so then, but I can see like all those. I, I think it's weird because it's like. I put this as, uh, I don't know when we're ranking these, but um, oh, yeah. yeah um, Just do it now. I, fuck it. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I, cause I, I had to decide between the fifth and fourth one. And then I was like, but it's weird that this one falls um, as my number four because the men in black just felt like the men in black two just felt like no soul. And it, yeah. although you can argue based on your rant that this is the, the, the worst one, I did feel like, some of the I did like some of the aspects of like um, some of the effects I did like and like I think ha- the, the second half of the movie kind of like the music and the momentum you know something bad is happening where I actually it's it's okay to keep like I liked it um, I liked that part like it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be to rewatch it as it was Men in Black 2 mm. um, and it always and then it made me feel like oh I really want to watch the third one which I really love Revenge of the Sith so um I guess that's the only reason why I'm putting it fourth and not fifth. Um, in, in it my made opinion. me wish that Skywalker Ranch had burned to the crown <laughs> and every <laughs> ounce of celluloid for every single Star Wars ever was yeah. burned. And all we had were the non special edition DVDs, and they couldn't, they just couldn't do anything past that. That's what I yeah. wished. <laughs> yeah. I do feel bad though for, for uh, hating Christian, like Anakin, because he, ugh. I don't want to see. I don't think I'll watch this for a while again, just because he is very whiny boy. And I was like, oh, yeah. Here, here's the other thing: for his downfall to be a tragedy, 
for us to really truly feel the pathos of the world's the galaxy's greatest potential jedi or the hero of the galaxy falls and becomes its worst villain um we have to see him we have to like him we have to want to be him or want to be with him or at least understand where he's coming from because I, I don't believe in because I don't believe in the likability factor no. as much anymore because I think yeah. that's sort of like I don't need to like my main character but I need to understand why he's doing what he's doing and it needs he to was be too old for the training yeah the, the, yeah the, the saga's yeah, yeah mm-hmm. explanation for that yeah. and so when the, the fall eventually happens it's it's to me it's fate complete because I know Anakin Skywalker's Darth Vader. That's the other. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. You can't go back. Like, we have a shot. One of the greatest shocking reveals in movie history, and then go back and be like, "Now we're going to explain how it happened." It's immediately less interesting. Yeah, that's why I can't watch. I haven't watched a lot of the Star Wars shows or yeah. things because it just feels like, well, I know what's what it's getting to. Right. Yeah. And I think it, it. And most of the time, I would like to know more. Like in these other um, movies, I would love to see prequels and stuff but i just lately i haven't wanted to see that because i think it negates all the magic of the original like it's just i don't know if you explain over explain it too much of why like the force is just bacteria in your bloodstream yeah yeah (laughs) it's just it's 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 midichlorians and midichlorians are made up of wills and wills are these little organisms that have entire universes and galaxies inside themselves and they live inside your bloodstream. And some people like, have more of that inside their blood and that makes them more in touch with the force. And Anakin was completely conceived by the force, which means the force came upon Shmi and Shmi was then impregnated by a bunch of bacteria and that grew a baby inside of her. And that baby is Jesus. And that space Jesus was a real son of a bitch. What the and f- that means Palpatine God? And that, yeah, I guess, yeah. Because that he makes influenced pa- the midichlorians. But at the same life. time, yeah. Palpatine was fucking some lady off screen and gave birth to either a son or a daughter. We're not clear. It could be either one. And then they had a son or a daughter. And they were like, oh, we're going to dump you on this planet. And then here we are. And then she's a Skywalker. What the fuck? Get the fuck out of here. All right. <laughs> yeah. What's your score? Cat. Uh, 5.2. Okay. So not much difference. Uh, Rob? Yes. Hit me. So... Again, this everything you said accurate. It looks very video gamey. The the whole romance, air quotes romance, <laughs> is pretty much indefensible. Yeah. Uh, what I do like about this movie, and and I when I've covered when I covered the Skywalker saga on on my podcast, I I, I said on there that I kind of view this tri- prequel trilogy as like a different protagonist every movie. The first one is Amidala's movie. The last one is Anakin's, and this is. Obi, I view this as more Obi-Wan's movie. So this is basically an Obi-Wan detective story. That's the stuff I find more interesting is Obi-Wan running around the galaxy trying to solve a mystery. Uh, in the arena, the battle, uh, the arena battle at the end, the execution style with the creatures, the Jedi all coming. Like, I find that stuff entertaining. There's actually a... Um, because at the time when this came out, this was released in IMAX. They only had, they could only handle up to two hours of runtime. Mm. So they edited this thing down by like 20 minutes. And what did they cut was all of the, the uh, Anakin and Padme. And, oh, you know, my first kiss, was, his name was Paolo. And he was in the, <laughs> whatever. He was older than I, very cute. He became an artist. Like all that crap. The rolling around in the fields, all the Anakin Padme stuff. They got 20 minutes of that. And then I think it's a much better movie. And I wish that they had that cut available somewhere. Uh, there's some parts of this movie that do feel reactive the greatly reduced role of jar jar i think is just is i think a wise decision i think it avoids some of the things that people were criticizing it for 
uh, with the previous film. But the fact that he's I, a step-and-fetch-it character. I think they even lean into the fact that people hate Jar Jar by having him be the kind of the sap that's like, we need a, a Della Fella. That's what we need. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. What do you think about uh, the like, what do you think about the racist yeah, yeah. fish trade federation guys? Real racist. Oh, don't yeah, I don't care for them. <laughs> Long duck dog. We get much the, less of them here too, yeah, which yeah, I think okay. is, is we get Christopher Lee and yeah, who the hell is Dooku, but also Christopher yeah, Lee. Can you, yeah. I'm not I'm never gonna say no to some I got a better Lee option movie. for Christopher Lee where he's the exact same fucking character and yet his scheme makes some kind of goddamn sense. What is Count <laughs> Dooku's role? He is the the um, he's Palpatine's apprentice. He's the one that's the public face of starting the the war. Who are the separatists? The separatists are all the planets that are trying to break away from the Republic. Why are they trying to break? Again, you're focusing on all the minutia. <laughs> it's not the minutia. It's the plot of the movie. It's when you. Yeah, but it's 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 the backdrop. We don't care about. They that decided stuff as much. not to make a trilogy of films about the Clone Wars, where all these people became heroes. Right. The Jedi fell and were destroyed, and all this sort of yeah. shit, and the birth of Darth Vader, and the rise of Anakin Skywalker, and the rise of the Emperor, and the end of the Republic. They chose not to focus on any of that. Instead, they chose to focus on the goddamn trilogy. Trade Federation and the what is it supply anor, uh, uh, annex? What it was the, commer- the commerce commerce guild and, guild and trade federation. All the, Count the Geonosian Dooku, locust people that they have on this planet. Count Dooku and his mentor, who's another Jedi who maybe became a Sith, who ordered a bunch of clones on Geonosis, and the Jedi didn't know it, and or Camino, and they cloned a bunch of Jenga. Fet- it's like it's just all wrong. Everything is about it's wrong. What's your score? What's your rank? um so yeah uh i i have it fourth as well god uh and even with all the things i said i'm still giving it a six out of ten like is it is it great of course not jason again is right about everything he's saying i'm not saying (laughs) this would be my choice for this movie but this being the movie that it is i still think there's there are some things that are entertaining enough what you're saying is when you were 30 years old you saw it for the first time (laughs) on an imax screen they cut 20 minutes out of a two hour and 20 minute movie. It was a better version. It was a better was version. Better and that's version. what's in your head. So that's why you like it. I, no, no, no. I rewatched it. I've seen this a bunch. I've seen this. I saw this a lot at the time. Uh, so I have like a little bit of nostalgia for it in that way. But it's also, I read something at one point that Lucas had a, an outline for what had happened prior to the original film, yeah. like the backstory of those characters and all of that. And that, like 60% of that was in Revenge of the Sith and the rest of it was kind of split between these other two movies and you can feel it. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is like there's 20% of good stuff in this movie that's lost amidst of sea of misguided decisions. Uh, some of which I think this, this series has reckoned what? with better than others. <laughs> Calling out the fact that the Jedi were arrogant assholes and which is awful. Like the last Jedi, which is awful, awful. But I am not, yeah, I'm not <laughs> defending it. I'm 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 still fourth on my list, Jason. I don't I'm not saying it's the best. It's still bottom three. When you're a child, when you me. are a child and you are watching a film, and the entire film is a simplified idea that there is black, literal black and white, good and evil, and it's about fun space swashbuckling adventures where you're speeding through the stars and landing on crazy planets and fighting big old monsters and swashbuckling through adventures and saving a princess but the princess turns out to be a badass and she ends up saving you and it's so fun and it's all this like my girl friday 
pithy banter back and forth between all these characters, everybody's all the dialogues, bing, 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 bing. It's all this patter constantly. And even the, even the robots are funny. The droids are funny. And oh my God. <laughs> and we're having all these adventures and there's these things that we hear called Jedis. They have the, the most amazing weapon in the history of cinema. And there's a farm boy from a desert planet who ends up becoming King Arthur and saves the galaxy. And goes deeper into the ways of the force. Then you meet Yoda, who's one of the all-time great characters. And they're just like, actually, they were all assholes. None of them could love. None of them could fuck. Yoda ping-ponged around a room. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> With a little tiny lightsaber. Yoda was beyond the need of a lightsaber because he was so strong with the force. And to Cat's point, when we finally see the Jedi in action, they're cold. They're sterile. They're inhuman. They can't see what's directly in front of them. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, they give him a line in Phantom Menace. The boy is dangerous. Why the fuck did you train him, Obi-Wan? That's not the, <laughs> he that's, promised Qui-Gon he would. That's Qui-Gon was a son of a to. bitch. Qui- Qui-Gon Jinn, if anybody is fucking a piece of shit Jedi, it's Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn is a dog shit character. And they remolded the entire Jedi Order in the likeness of Qui-Gon. Yoda, from the beginning of the first movie and in this one, realizes something is up here and there's something not right with this kid. And yet, because if you have, if Yoda, who's the all knowing, all seeing 900 year old Jedi would fucking say something, there's no Darth Vader. So he just doesn't say something. Not because there's a plot reason, just because he just, he just, he, there's scenes of him just literally observing Anakin <laughs> and stroking his beard and watching the interactions between him and, and him flat out telling Master, I will not do that. I will go with the girl. Fuck you, Obi Wan. And Yoda's cut to Yoda is just like, hmm, something's not right there. <laughs> Nothing is done. <laughs> Nothing is done about this guy. And 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 Obi Wan is like, hey, look, you're obsessing about this woman. You got to keep her on the prize. There's a war starting here, kid. It's and, it's the bur- bureaucracy that's the problem. Oh, you know how much paperwork Yoda would have to fill out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah just because you say that oh well see the jedi because it was the high high days of the republic and there was just bureaucracy blinded them from this very evil dark, senator who's made the himself- dark side of the force clouds everything <laughs> oh <laughs> it's literally off. the explanation there's one get. evil guy and 50 million jedi <laughs> and he's the most obvious evil he's the most guy evil, obvious the evil guy who's ever eviled <laughs> nobody's eviled more than that guy i'm gonna there's, name there's myself a, there's a, supreme there's chancellor moment. Towards the beginning of the movie, where uh, they're trying to figure out, like, Padme needs protection. Yeah, they tried to kill yeah. her, obviously. And and uh, Palpatine's like, oh, you know, maybe you know, maybe a familiar face. Like, Obi- like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Master Kenobi. He's coming back from this thing. Yeah. And Yoda, like, side-eyes Palpatine. Yes. Like, what the hell is he talking right, about? Right, yes. But, and that's that's as far as that concern went. It's just, it's just nuts. It's, it's, no, no, here's, here's my point. Here's my point. Because this is a prequel series. We know yeah. where all of this is going. So this wasn't, somebody didn't create this at a whole cloth ago. Well, we got nothing to go on. You already wrote the shit. You got everything to go on. And instead, you, 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 you made, there was no reason to make any of these decisions with any of these characters. You could have made completely different decisions on every one of these prequel movies. And it would have gotten you to where you needed to go. He just, it would have just made more sense. Yeah. Instead of being, yeah. And, and like, they might've just been like, okay. Um, well, famously, the Phantom Menace was written off of us for the first draft. Yeah. They mo- produced the movie <laughs> off a of first draft that he yeah, wrote on a fucking that never, legal that pad. That never happens. He wrote yeah, on a yeah. legal pad. And every idea that he had, because he's the genius George Lucas. Here's the other thing. 
everybody around him at this point in his career at Lucasfilm were like 30 years younger than him. He so had, they were probably just the fanboy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They had none. He had almost none of the original crew. Nobody remembers. He didn't direct two of these shits. He didn't yeah. write two of these shits. It was his idea. Other people wrote, directed, and edited these movies. And everyone's like, well, George, he know he's the visionary. No, he's not. He didn't do any of it. He did, he gave he it was his initial idea. Han Solo was supposed to be a fucking frog. That was his idea. Like he was supposed to be, Han Solo was originally written to be a Gungan, pretty much. If you look at the original drawings, it's it was you know what it is? It's like it's like there was an Indiana Jones style boulder at the top of a hill. Lucas pushed yes. it, and there's people standing in the way of it, being like, "I'm sure it'll be fine." He knows what he's doing. It's, it's, it's 100. percent Nobody could say anything. And I was like, "Well, yeah. that doesn't really make sense." Like, and there's behind the scenes video of people trying and going, mm, "That doesn't really make sense." And then he just he I just explained it away because of the force, and they're all like, "It's like poetry." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, it's like poetry. It rhymes." And they're like, "Oh, okay, George. All right, all right. Yeah, okay. It's your vision." And then they're just happy to be there. And yeah. and who wouldn't be? I get it. Like, of course, who wouldn't want to work on Star Wars? Like, you get to build the special effects for the, you know. George Lucas is going to pay, spend a billion dollars to invent new cameras and a whole new way of shooting movies, which unfortunately, I think, I think that's hopefully the legacy too. Is like it's it's bled into other movies, like the effects part of it that we don't know. Yeah, I don't. Well, like, the, we the probably don't know. The yeah, legacy the is every time you see Mark Ruffalo's head photoshopped into a Hulkbuster, <laughs> and you're like, that was like dog yeah. shit. We yeah, have like Ant-Man Quantum Mania, and you're like, none of this is in a real space. Was this like the most, uh, like the first major yes. like franchise that was all blue screen? Yes. Like you see behind. Yeah, the I guess it's like good that. and bad. Yeah, because even yeah. Yoda, I just, yeah, I just yeah, exactly. I'm taking that back. But like, Phantom Menace you know, is probably sixty forty practical to digital. Yeah, even, and yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the last puppet that we have for Yoda until I think Last Jedi. Last he's Jedi. a puppet again. Yeah, he looks completely yeah. better. <laughs> You're yeah, like, way better. Yeah. Okay. All right. I've said enough. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, all <laughs> Tell right. Tell us move- how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never again. Moving on to 2002 Spider-Man. It currently has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Critics are calling Spider-Man absolutely amazing, unforgettable, wondrous to behold. Four stars. Thumbs up. Spun gold. Spider-Man is an action-packed blast. It's incredible. You have to see this movie to believe it. Spider-Man, rated PG-13. Now playing in theaters everywhere. Spider-Man was directed by Sam Raimi. It was written by David Kep of Jurassic Park fame. It's a triumph return of all of these people because I've already covered Spider-Man. But I want to give a special shout-out to the late, great Bill Nunn. i seen since the days of Sister Act. This film was released May 3rd, 2002, on a budget of $139 million that made $825 million outpacing Star Wars. Sam Raimi does his best Richard Donner impression to tell the story of Tobey Maguire blasting rope. I have uh, Marvel's Mickey Mouse finally swings to the big screen accidentally kickstarting the MCU. Oh, the one where Mary Jane is just the damsel in distress. That's all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It really literally is. Yeah. But this one felt more, I don't know. I just, I remember it differently when I watched it originally. Although, I love, that's just like one qualm. I actually really enjoyed this one. So yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. Can we say that respectfully, this is the best Uncle Ben and Aunt May? Yeah. Uh, they always, I think, this is yeah. the first one I saw, like I think, in, yeah. in, or it was like the first one. I don't know. But um, I so I always have a spot, soft spot for these. 
is this the best casting of any Spider-Man movie ever made in the supporting roles with J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson and Willem Dafoe as uh, oh, Osborne? Yes. I mean, we're now 20, you know, 20 years later, they're still like, yeah, we can't top uh, Willem Dafoe's Norman Osborn. We can't top J.K. Simmons. Yeah. J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, you know, I think some of the other roles they've improved upon maybe over the years. We could debate about, you know, some of the other uh, the other characters. But Are you talking about yeah, Elizabeth think... Banks as Betty Brant? Because I think she's great. <laughs> I do think Elizabeth Banks is Octavia is great, Spencer actually. was in here. Yeah. Oh, she there's was. Yeah, yeah. so many people. There was a, like OG that like yeah. now are awesome in their own right. So The late, great macho man, Randy Savage. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Randy, it's so yeah. good. I got you yeah. for three minutes. <laughs> three minutes of playtime. Yeah. yeah he's, so he's good. Great. He's great. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, that's not how pro wrestling works. You don't just show up at an arena yeah, and no. one guy wrestles <laughs> no, no. I didn't think so. random people from the crowd for five hours. They gave it a lot of credit. And a steel cage <laughs> made of rubber. Ironically, pro wrestling, the steel cage is actually made of steel. Uh, okay. So um, Uncle Ben, let's, 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 let's start here. Uncle Ben 100% believes that, that Peter is practicing self-abuse in his room. Right. Like I, I, I gotta take so. a drive he with went this through exactly boy. The same, he went through exactly the same thing as his at his age. Yeah, so he, he's yeah, like he's, it's, he's literally he's like it's puberty. I understand. He's like I'll talk to the boy. I'll have the talk with him. <laughs> yeah, that belief that Peter can't quit masturbating in his room gets him killed. <laughs> in Sam Raimi's Spider Man, Uncle Ben dies because he thinks Peter Parker is jerking off too much. It's awfully judgy of Uncle Ben. Why would it find too much? I didn't Uncle take ben. it like, as a judgment. I just mean? took it as maybe eat a meal. Come down with the family. You're just constantly <laughs> in this room making weird noises and shit up there. You're scaring your aunt, you know. Doing weird experiments. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just wash yeah, weird wash your own socks from now on, Pete. You know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> they were finding goo all over the room. We can't quite explain. Like it's just a thing, and and I'm I'm yeah. sort of being facetious, but I'm not really because when you really right. watch it, that's what really happens. He's like, well, it's just yeah, it's puberty. I'll talk to him, you know. I, I'll have the talk. Raging with him. hormones, yeah. Raging yeah. hormones, yeah. I'll talk to him, and and he dies because of it. He dies because mm -hmm. of. 40-year-old Toby, well, Toby McGuire going through puberty. He, he dies because Peter brushes him off. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, I thought it was more that. I mean, you can read into it, like, maybe that part from Uncle Ben. He would never got in the car, just being, though, unless Yeah, I just thought it was, was more like true. he was just trying to check on him in the, in the sense of, like, I think we all go through those teenage weird, especially back in the 2000s. <laughs> it's yeah. like, there was, we didn't talk about our feelings or anything, mm. and um, it was... It, it, it was just like, and then for Uncle Ben to just actually want to know, like, you know, they're very understanding of like this kid that they had to take in as their own. And um, it when I was watching, I was like, oh, Peter, you're so lucky, you know, yeah. like not everyone gets this kind yeah. of um, thing. But of course, you're a teenager, so you don't understand that. Um, so he was just being like the teenage rebel. You were like, oh, I hate you, mom and dad, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. You're not my dad. And, and, yeah. And yeah. even it's funny, too, because seeing peter like he's essentially doing everything right like he's a smart kid yeah he's um wanting to um go to college he kind of has a plan they never really in this movie they never really talk about like any of those details which is funny to me like the and, and it would be kind of boring too of like how are they going to pay for it if they can't even afford this you know yeah. uncle ben's uh how i mean a job he's laid off but they have a really nice house <laughs> like, well i assume um, they've, they're old so i assume they yeah they're, they, they, they paid all, yeah so they but i i just off. yeah i try not to think about those things because it gets like the little details but i'm also yeah. like oh that's really nice um 
so you know he's looking to the future in that aspect so it's always funny to see like even I think because I was in those shoes, like I would get straight A's and things, yeah. and then like you still have those issues, like well, I'm doing everything I, I can, you know, I just want to go out and like obviously he wants to do Spider Man stuff, but then they're like, hey, like what are you doing? And you're like, so I felt I felt more of it this time in in that sense, just like being a bratty teenager yeah. and and also having this power where he doesn't even know what to do with, and you're still developing. So and he just had to yeah. learn it the very the the hard way to not be an asshole. <laughs> well, that's that's how boys had learned about sex back then. Everything you just said, you could apply to a teenage burgeoning sexuality in the early two thousands. Right. Robert that we just had to learn. <laughs> nobody taught us. We had to learn it the hard, hard way. way. <laughs> had to learn not to be assholes. Right. It's true. Sometimes you have to skip some meals. And <laughs> to your, to your craft. So which is worse, which is worse, uh, Robert, that your loving elderly uncle is gunned down because you want to be a wrestler, but he dies in the belief <laughs> that you toss yourself off too much or, your loving elderly uncle is gunned down because you are tossing yourself off too much. What's worse? He doesn't believe you are, but you are, mm. or he dies because he believes you are and you're not. I don't think he needs to know that. I think I we're leaning towards that one. Yeah. I see. Yeah, he doesn't need to know. The truth is though, that uncle Ben actually dies because Peter Parker is lusting after the kind of crummy girl who lives next door to him. Cause Mary Jane sucks in these movies. And in particular in this one, she sucks. And then there's like, well, yeah. she has a broken home. She's still a shitty person. She's still crummy. There's yeah, no was, relationship. Was, the thing that really stuck out to me this time and what would have enhanced this movie is they grew up next door to each other. They seem to have no relationship until he's taken out the garbage. <laughs> yeah. It would have made more yeah, sense it's like, that. Yeah, it's like cordial yes. at best. Like, oh, hey, how are you doing? It would have made more sense on, had yeah. they grown up together. He's had this lifelong crush and she sees him as the a brother figure the boy next door oh he's he's she's he's so friend zoned in her mind she can't see mm -hmm. him as anything else but that's that's nice guy peter parker he's just the boy next door um and that's kind of how the animated series if, if those of us that are real elderly that remember that in the 90s that's how it played it they live next door in the same neighborhood mm -hmm. and uh, i think she lived with an older aunt and that was friends with aunt may i think that's how it was and aunt may always wanted them to be together but peter was too shy and Mary Jane was always this free spirit. Mary Jane is always like in every other medium except for this one is comes off as like, well, I don't want to be tied down. I had to come from a, my but dad was an asshole. I don't want to be tied down. I want to have a career and that's what I want to do. And I just want to have fun. And I want to, so she's very friendly and sometimes they could be taken as flirtatious and sometimes she's very flirtatious and that's okay. This Mary Jane doesn't really have a personality and what we see of her personality is kind of shitty. She ends up just sort of dating Harry, who she's clearly not interested in, for his money. Like Willem Dafoe is not wrong when Norman's like. I don't think I don't. She's feel not like interested that's... in him. Yeah, but I don't think it's don't for know, the money. It I don't think more... it's for the money. I, yeah. The way I see it, and and Cat, and, and you, I like. I want to. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, too. No, go. I, I, she's coming from a broken home. She's has low self worth. She's seeking validation by dating the popular kid. Or the rich kid, people that are perceived a higher class than her, or uh, you know, more accepted by by her peers, and I think that's more why she is dating Flash, why she's drawn to Harry, uh, and it's you know, I think it's, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's the materialism. Well, that's thing. very articulate, that but you're both she, wrong. It's the I, well, <laughs> Kat, what, do you, what do you think? What do you think, Cat? 
No, I think it's the the low self esteem, and also yeah. from what we get from both of them is that they they're they're not coming from any wealth, so she's gonna have to make her way into the city, um, in you know whatever way she thinks. So I I do think it's it's just she's trying to tie her way. Th- I don't know, like her self worth with another person, but it's obviously the wrong one. And it's weird because in this one I hadn't noticed it before, but um, she really doesn't want to do that because other ones like you know if you you have these characters that are like clinging on to the the guy with money or the 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 dude who's a douchebag, they're like they don't see it until it's like really they do like this one pivotal thing yeah, yeah. but even like you know she's with joe the the other jock or whatever the joe mangelano now yeah. like the hot flash guy. thompson yeah. Uh, yeah flash thompson and like it's it's almost like she's in pain to even be with those people like she doesn't like being with those people but it's like she yeah. thinks like because i guess the thing that they this movie really just puts her in a corner is that she's pretty and um that's the only thing she has kind of going for her because we never know if she's smart or anything or she wants to be an actress but we never see her you know do anything with that so um she it's does like bear her she only yeah she does yeah, but she, she only does. she like that's all they were they put her to so i think she also realizes like that's maybe the, the thing she she has going for which is really sad but it was also of like the 2000 like that era I think um, mm-hmm. to pit to she's only with those guys because I think she's like, well, that's what all I can do, you know, and um, and then she has low self self worth because of her family situation. The dad telling her she's like nothing, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then even like you were saying with the Peter stuff, like, yeah, it was really weird. Like, I wish they would have and it would have just needed like a little bit. Yeah, of, like, just a little oh, bit. Hey, it's nice to see like because. It, it it doesn't make sense because she's like, oh, stop bullying them. So you would think like, oh, it's because he's my neighbor and I know her and I, I yeah, know him. Yeah, we grew him up together. And, yeah. 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 But like then she kind of ignores him too. So it's just weird that they like never really talked before or um, they never really like pinpoint what it what their relationship was before. Yes. Right. It's just sort of we see it through his eyes. And then also it feels weird because with Peter, it almost feels like he only likes her and lets her kind of be mediocre in a way because she's pretty. Yes. It's like, what do you, I mean, but it's like a tale as old as time. Yeah. 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 Like it's a tale as old as time though. Like pretty girl, whatever that's. And then you, you yeah. idealize her in your mind. So she, he probably thinks she can do no wrong, but seeing it from, from this time, he's like, Oh, like what did he even like? Cause he was smart and, and yeah. doing all this kind of stuff. And so it was like, he was just kind of letting her slide by too. I don't yep. know. No, you're right. She's weird. mid. Yeah. Mary Jane is mid in yeah. this movie. Can we talk about her <laughs> yeah. cultural Which is fine, but it's just weird. Yeah. She loves to appropriate culture. Oh, the horrible, horrible World Unity Festival. That entire set piece is the worst part of the movie. It looks like a yeah. Universal Studios ride. The, mm-hmm. It's just like, uh, we're having this festival and oh no, something's gone wrong. It's, it's totally a Universal <laughs> Studios ride. Can we yeah. talk about... And then he... And then even Harry like does those comments to her like you should have worn the black dress like My that's all she is really just likes- a set piece yeah yeah MJ like- MJ and Harry are both just living their lives trying to impress the people around them yeah. he's trying to get his dad's approval and she's trying to get yeah. I don't know Harry's approval anybody's mm-hmm. approval Harry wants his dad to, to want to sleep with Mary Jane which eventually he does so there you go um, <laughs> can we talk about the Mars attack death scene of the board where they all just turn into cartoon skeletons like Mars <laughs> yeah. attacks that that was weird wasn't that was it? awesome though <laughs> yeah no. can we talk about how this movie is basically nothing else but Superman seventy eight plus Dark Man so much of this is just reused from Dark Man I mean that sounds pretty good though, <laughs> Jason, like. <laughs> How, can we talk? it is really simple it is really <laughs> yeah. simple after being like yeah. 20 plus marvel movies and then seeing this one it's almost and refreshing right 
it was yeah, yeah it was 100%. and then it felt it doesn't have like the shine and cg like there is cg in this but not quite there feels yeah it feels gritty it actually feels like it, it's its own character um like i don't it doesn't see, feel like anything else like or like it doesn't just feel like another um you know off the assembly line like yeah, they were trying right. to do something and it really sets like i think the simplicity was like took me aback i was like oh yeah because i in my mind watching this back when i was a kid it's like a lot of shit happened like th- those fighting scenes were amazing whatever and i was like oh he just does a little flu uh, a few slingshots through like the web yeah yeah does a few flips <laughs> Him and uh, him and uh, you know uh, the Osborne character, like um, what's uh, Green Goblin? Uh, what's his, Green Goblin? Yeah. Like they have a showdown, but it's like just really basic. He but, webs like, his mask, and he's like, yeah, ah, yeah, and it was just the but one the, thing that can't. Yeah. yeah, but it was yeah. so simple in that way that I I really enjoyed yeah. it, and I kind of love it. I I loved it. I will and, say the effect um, that held up the best and looked the best is when we get the perspective shot of when Goblin throws the bomb. Mm-hmm. And mm, yeah. it blows up in Peter's face and blows his mask. Yeah, over yeah. The, so good. In the eye. I was like, God damn, does that look good? And he goes through the yeah. wall, and I was like, Okay. He like some of some a couple of those flips towards the end looked good, and I thought, yeah. Okay, all right, that looks good. Some of the other, yeah, you got the Rubber Man stuff that just you know, yeah. Spider Man moves in such an unnatural way to begin with that mm-hmm. even in the Marvel ones where the CGI is noticeably better, he just he's always going to look weird. Because this is like a dude yeah. who just can bend however the fuck he wants to fly it, through the air. But this it was 2002, so I also gave yeah. it leeway. Like it, yeah, 100%. it is, it's still it. I still prefer like that. Pretty much holds up to like the CG stuff now. Like yeah, yeah the CG is better now, but like it, it's not like it's it's, doing less. It's still if, if yeah, because yeah. it's like a lot of practical yeah. mixed in with yeah. CG. I was just about to say yeah, that. and then um, and then I think maybe Green Goblin gave us like the problem that we have with the villains now is like he was just so good where he had the dimension of. William Defoe, like in that mirror scene, it's amazing yeah. when he's like, you know, just kind of like himself is just going back and forth. It's just him and the mirror. One of, two movies on, yeah. one of two movies on our list that has a scene very similar to that. Yeah. yeah. And so with it was the just like arguing with itself. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, I miss, I, it's no wonder we're always like, where, where's, where's the Green Goblin? Cause we now we have these just fluffy villain characters and we get a few. I like, always mention Killmonger because he's like my favorite mm-hmm. of the duality of like good, bad, mixed, you don't mm-hmm. really know. And like Osborne too. I was like, oh, I actually feel for him in that in that sense. So I think it it kind of gave us a good foundation of like, hey, we should demand more from our villains than just, yeah. you know, the one dimensional that always doesn't it doesn't follow. But um Robert, as someone who's know. covered this series, I'm gonna ask you a question. Yeah. You're our resident Spider Man expert. I guess so. Okay. How does not one classmate, wrestling promoter, or wrestling spectator remember Peter Parker as Spider-Man? He Peter Parker punches Flash Thompson down the hallway after doing a flip nine feet in the air out of nowhere. <laughs> Steroids. <laughs> and then very shortly thereafter, Spider-Man appears. Nobody remembers that? Nobody puts that together? I mean... In a world without superheroes? This isn't the MCU. Can you also say that about young Clark Kent running around Smallville for 10 years on yeah. the CW and then well, putting on a different costume and a pair of glasses? Uh, and they're like, wait a minute. CW shit doesn't count because all that stuff is junk. <laughs> in the 70s, it, it would have worked because running those townies from, yeah. would have stayed in town and they had no internet. Right. So how are they, who are they going to communicate there with? There you go. 
So then, any pick your pick a different version of Superman then. Okay. Because he doesn't put the glasses on until he gets to Metropolis. That's in true. Most versions, That's as true. far as I'm aware. And also, we have to uh, imagine that Peter Parker was like a, just insignificant to everybody, so they probably yeah, forgot yeah. it the moment that happened and just considered him a freak. Yeah. My biggest problem with this movie, I really enjoyed watching it again. I did not like it when it originally came out. Um, I liked it better this time. I've seen it off and on throughout the years. I've covered it before in the show way back when. Uh, my biggest problem remains Mary Jane. Um, I we don't the, you know the lack of the prior relationship context between her and Peter. Um, Mary Jane never develops beyond being a superficial, vain sort of character. Her character is never flashed fleshed out to us in a way that we understand why she does what she does. Um, other than well, she's pretty. She's got big boobs and a midriff, and you see the top of her underwear because it's two thousand two, and everybody's underwear was <laughs> creeping out of their pants. Low rise jeans. Uh, and so I can't really root for their relationship in this movie because I don't understand what binds them. And it ends up having the effect of making Peter seem like a superficial person to Kat's point, because what is there that he likes about her? What does he actually love about her other than she's the hot girl next door? Don't get me wrong. Kirsten Dunst, 2002, very hot. But, uh, what else? What else? (laughs) Does she have thoughts? Does she have emotions? Does it like other than being sad? Like, well, like other, she wants to act on stage, and she's horrible. That's we get a, like the joke yeah, there well, is that yeah. Mary Jane is horrible, right? Well, uh, the soap opera said she needed acting lessons. Yes, so yes, yeah. uh, <laughs> probably. Uh, I think that's the implication. I need. I got a lot of questions with this movie. I'm going to continue asking them to both of you. I need to know who those children were at the bridge in the middle of the night in the satin jackets at midnight in New York City. Why was there a field trip of like a little league baseball team going across the bridge in the middle of the goddamn night in New York? Where are they going? Where were they from? Who are they? I don't know. Not from New York. So I don't know. Were you aware? (laughs) Were you aware when you were younger and you watched this, that the green goblins glider clearly goes into the balls of Osborne. When you look at where it lands on him, it, that the blades are right it, through his it, balls. It always it always struck me as like right above the like the genital area, like I, you know below the waist. And whatever right above, the uh, whatever the situation, it's, it's Robert, definitely in there. It's hitting some reproductive yeah, organs of some sort. His genitals are definitely. mutilated by that. Glider. Something's getting messed up. So in the third film, when Henderson, the creepy butler who was not a character until the third film, I mean he's in the background, but he starts to speak. He's like, I found him. I dressed his wounds. It, it, those were definitely wounds by the hand of his own. He died by the hand of his own glider. Yeah, um, I hate that. What we're talking about is he. Okay, let's let's rewind here. You're. What's what's uh Osborne Junior's name? Harry. You're Harry Osborne. Harry. Yeah. You're you're Harry. You're Osborne Junior. Junior. You walk in, Spider Man. A guy in a S&M suit, let's be real, basically all masked up, very fetishistic, is carrying your dad, who appears to be asleep, completely in the nude. <laughs> <laughs> Lays your nude dad's body down on a lounge sofa. You go to your nude dad and have to take the blanket he's wrapped off, off of him, which is going to fuck you up enough in the head as a kid. And then you all you see are the remains of his mutilated genitals. What do you think Spider-Man That's why, has done to your father? 
That's why Harry's so mad at the, <laughs> the very beginning of the second movie. He's like, what the hell? Right. He is. <laughs> he some shit, Pete. 100% <laughs> believes that Spider-Man and his father had a DL kink relationship. And, went too far. And it went way too far. And Spider-Man completely blew out his genitals and then dumped his body. <laughs> There, what else would you gather from that? And when the butler's like, I cleaned him up. I saw his genitals. He, his genitals were destroyed by his own hand. Not Spider-Man. Not impressed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I never occurred to me before that based on the trajectory of that glider, and we see him. It is at below waist yeah. level. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why did it have to be so low, Sam Raimi? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Um, here's what's good about the movie. The casting is right. The tone is right. But still, this movie to me feels more like a proof of concept that is yet to be perfected. There's another movie in this trilogy that will, I think, take all the good of this and perfect it. And it's the third one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so you beat me to it. What, what, what remains to talk about Spider-Man? What are your scores? What are your ranks? Robert, we'll start with you. Okay. So, uh, I think this is probably, for me, still the de facto origin story for Spider-Man. I feel like you can nitpick on certain elements of the characters or the Green Goblin story or whatever, but the the origin of Spider-Man, the Uncle Ben, the great power comes great responsibility, all of the wrestling, like all of that, I feel like this has captured it so well that there's not really a reason to ever do it again. And the way that Richard Donner did with uh, Superman in the way that Nolan did in Batman Begins mm-hmm. with explaining how that mm-hmm. character got to be who they are. Uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, it, it frustrated me a decade later when they did basically the exact same thing yeah. with Andrew Garfield. Cause I was like, I don't need this. Like we know Spider-Man move on. Got yeah. it. Um, so I think that this movie still kind of holds that mantle for me as like the definitive Spider-Man origin story. Mm-hmm. I think Sam Raimi is such a genius fit for this because he balances that earnestness and the camp of this character mm-hmm. of this world in such a, a beautiful way that, that really pays off as, as we were sort of alluding to in the second movie. Uh, and you know, you got to- Toby Maguire in full aw shucks kind of Pleasantville mode mm-hmm. here as Peter Parker. I think that was really strong. You get some of the horror DNA of Raimi with the goblin and some of the jump scares and, and all of that. Uh, it is, you know, the, the relationship I think could have been better between MJ and Peter. Definitely. The visuals, I think, are dated in places, but mostly okay because of what Kat said. There, There is that practical effect. You know, you see the glider wobble around, mm-hmm. but then when it starts, like, charging towards Spider-Man, that's a practical glider on a rig mm-hmm. being, draw, you know, dragged across a set. That kind of thing, I think, it, it, it um, really holds up. Danny Elfman's score is amazing. Uh, I even like the Chad Kroger song that, that star goes in the credits. Yeah. Hero, which I think is pretty solid for for the era that this came out, and this was such it was such a phenomenon when this film came out. It was the um, the first movie to make over 100 million at the uh, uh, that weekend, yeah. opening weekend. So it was such a big deal when it came out, and it's I think for me it still holds up. It's not obviously my favorite Spider Man movie. I think that's probably still either between Spider Man Two and Spider Verse, the, the Into the Spider Verse, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still second of the week for me, and I give it an 8.2. Cat, final thoughts, final rank, final score. Yeah, I think um, having the perspective after all these Marvel movies, which we didn't know was going to happen at that time, um, I really appreciated the simplicity of it. And maybe that's sort of a little bit of a giving it a scale based on what we have now. But I do think it holds up. 
Um, and I, I, I think there is something to be said about being the first one as well, because like uh, Robert mentioned the origin story, like every time I think of Spider-Man and, and the origin, I always think of this one. Mm-hmm. I always think of the little spider biting him. And mm-hmm. so it's like ingrained in my head. So um, I, I do think there's something, um, you know, fun and mm-hmm. special about that. And I, and yeah, the, the MJ thing is more of like, just because I've grown into, you know, like the world has changed. And I, I think maybe if it had been made now, um, just like it has been like, you know, with the, the, the updated version, MJ has more, um, agency and she's more of a full fledged character. So back then, I, I guess I'll give it just a little bit of leeway. That's just what society was giving those characters. Um, but I still don't like it. Um, but it, it's just sort of a, a small thing. Cause I think this one also really focuses on Peter and his yeah, struggle. Yeah. And I think that's why yeah. it holds up more than just, um, if it had been more focused on the side, the other characters, I think it would have, it, it wouldn't hold up today, but it's really just Peter's yeah. coming into his own, what, who he wants to be, the uncle relationship, you know, making sure he's um, kind of being a good person. And, and I think that's, um, it's still heartwarming in, in that sense. And then I think Toby Maguire just plays it so well. He's dorky, but then you can kind of believe that he can, you know, be this um, hero and um, yeah. And then there's just, uh, I just love the practical mix with the CG. Um, so I also gave it a second ranking and it's a 7.8 out of 10 for me. Okay. I think what they're trying to do 7.8, you said? Yes. Okay. Uh, to, to give them a little bit of leeway, I think what they're trying to do is they are trying to cast Mary Jane almost as this, by having her removed and not as fully fledged of a character because it is from Peter's perspective. Like you said, Kat, we're kind of seeing her through his eyes because it's very obvious that he idealizes her because we see her kind of you know she's like a waitress and she's like a shitty actor and he's like well i you're a great actor and like he well he's we're we're kind of seeing both the idealized version of her the real version of her and the distance between them and, and therefore the distance that peter has to go and the sort of person he has to become and the fates that have to align for them to connect like they do at the end. So in the end, when he makes the classic Spider-Man decision not to allow himself to love her, um, that has an emotional payoff. So I get what they're doing. I just wish that we could have seen a little bit more from Peter's perspective of why he liked her. But I get it. Okay, moving on. It's time to talk about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. The second in the Harry Potter series, which currently has an 82%. On Rotten Tomatoes. Commercial alert! Commercial alert! Are you in constant bondage by the chains of Satan? Do the forces of fear, depression, anxiety, and drugs have you bound? If so, then pray to the Prawn God. A benevolent force that repels all sins, the Prawn God will visibly patrol the sky above your home in exchange for small fish and invertebrates. And coming soon, strengthen your prawn bond with this cassette tape that discusses the eight tenets of prawn. Cleanliness is prawnliness. Ingest of the brine. Ingest the brine in order to shine. Devoutness shall be rewarded with a ride on the prawn. Almighty prawn, we lick your shell and pray it remain strong. And much, much more. Worship the prawn god today and wash away the dirty sins of your past. Order now while supplies last. On November 15th, there's some wizards who think they're better than everyone else. Scared Potter. You wish. When you stand by your friends. Eat slugs. You okay, Ron? And stand up for what you believe in. Harry Potter must go home. Nothing can stand in your way. Let's go. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. 
Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Rated PG. The second year begins November 15th. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets was directed by Chris Columbus. It was written by Steve Close. It's a triumph return of all these people because they've already covered this entire franchise. It was released November 3rd, 2002. and $100 million, it made $879.8 million. Harry Potter and the Chamber of... I don't remember a fucking thing about this movie. I covered <laughs> this entire franchise. Did not remember this one. Fired it up. I'm like, I don't remember any of this. Except for like me, the flying car. Watched the entire movie. Within a couple of days since, you know, before we're recording this. I sit here before you with empty notes. I don't remember a goddamn thing about this movie. I remember Peter <laughs> talks to snakes. There's a prophecy about Slytherin. You mean Harry. Harry. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's your, <laughs> point point proven. Point, yeah. Yeah. Point it's proven. another kid with glasses, all right? It's another dork with glasses. Another, yeah. Uh, uh, Peter Potter. <laughs> Peter Potter has a prophecy. He may be the bad guy. Kevin Branagh, who plays Perot, is another dark arts teacher who's trying to kill him. And turns out to be a bad guy. And there's a snake, and there's a sorting hat, and there's a flying car, and Hagrid is really lovely. And I don't remember anything else about this movie. So I'm going to kick it over to you, Cat, because this is your jam. This is your bread and butter. This is your Star Wars. Nothing has mattered to you more <laughs> other than Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. You lead us off, and then we'll go over to Rob. You know what's you know what's funny is that. Um... I have, I think the second one is really a se second movie of any trilogy or long standing um, series is really hard because the, you need to ch capture the, the heart of the first movie and then you need to progress. And, um, and sometimes it's just kind of a stepping stone, unlike one of the other movies that we're going to talk about mm -hmm. shortly. Um, so this one, I enjoy it, but it's actually when I do several of my rewatches a year. Um, it's always the one I'm kind of like, Oh, I want to forward it because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. um, it's kind of just there. Like it needs to happen to kind of progress yeah, some yeah, things. Yeah. Like we need to introduce Dobby who ends up being a very pivotal character yeah. later. Um, you know, build upon the relationship between the, the three main characters, introduce a few, um, you know, of the other characters and a little bit more world world building. But I also love it in the sense that it's sort of the the film before it just starts taking a different turn yeah, um yeah. so if you love the first one and i still want to feel that like nostalgic just being a little kid it's before it gets really dark i watch this one if i'm like oh i would just want to get to the dark stuff i go to the third one because that's when alfonso Cuarón comes in yes. and really changes everything which mm -hmm. i also have feelings on but um you know it, it's sort of it's it's the in-between so you kind of get a little bit of of it's just like a middle child. It's yeah, weird, yeah, even though it's yeah. like the second one, because the other ones become more of like the four through seven, um, have their own identity that are, is pretty like um, mixed in. So this one's like sort of in between. But um, I don't know. I, I think it, it, it's it has cool elements. I think I love the flying car. I have the Lego set of that. Um, I I uh, you know I love the basilisk, the basilisk, yeah, um, yeah. the Tom Riddle. Um, learning more about that, and then oh know, the shit, Jenny. this is the Tom Riddle. This is the journal, Tom Riddle's journal. Is that this? Yeah, one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we learn more. Yeah, we learn yes, more about yes, yes, uh, yes, you know yes. Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, so yeah, there's like yeah. things that really do need to happen here that kind of will you know the thank you for reminding our, our pivotal. Me. <laughs> yeah, that are that are that are in the second one uh, or in the upcoming yeah. ones, and I think um, uh, you know we see more of um, 
more of the um, Quidditch and things like yeah. that. So I think I think it's good. I, I just uh, I think in all of them, it's it's not necessarily my favorite. Um, I mean, favorite, you know, with a, a big, you know, um, I, I love all of these. But yeah. if I have to, like, pick my favorite favorite, it's not as my favorite as like the first one. That's very nostalgic and sets up the the one. It's sort of like it just I feel like those kind of blend a little um, and it's not doing anything too new. It's just we're. It's sort of like, yeah, we're just in our second year of Hogwarts and we kind of know people and we're, we're getting to, you know, get it's also kind of a, one of those things, too, where I think it's 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 nice to kind of get them get to know them a little bit more. So then yeah. when everything else happens, you're you, you really do feel connected because I don't think we can kind of skip this part to go to the other parts because I think that would just be too hasty and it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense. No, I agree. Um, be, down the road, because we start to get real plot heavy. Yeah. From four through seven, it gets, like you said, darker, yeah. the stakes get higher, it becomes more dangerous. And we need to, fo- the plots are so intricate in those movies, we need to focus on that. So we need the characters pre-established before we go down that path. And you know what's so funny yeah. is the the idea of spoilers, the, but the idea of like capturing through a magic a younger version of yourself and mm-hmm. putting your young self in a journal and then... Or, you know, and like it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. And uh yeah. it's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite things of the Harry Potter. And I just watched it, didn't remember it. And I know and like here's the thing, I don't dislike the movie. I do think it's a little long. Um Yes. I don't dislike it. It's just there's it's not a lot happens in a sense. But, but yeah, like it's, it's all it's set up. Everything you yeah. saw, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but then yeah. it makes sense yeah. later, yes. yeah. Yes. And then I love Lucius Malfoy, who uh, yes. you know, I love that. Um, the actor, um, Jason Isaac. Jason, yeah. yeah, he's amazing, yeah. and I feel like that also brought a little bit more. You see, like the darker side of the the wizards yes. that may, you know, you, you obviously know at the end end of this, he catches him with the sock and letting Dobby go free. Yeah. So you kind of know that. Um, Although Malfoy is sort of like, you know, flimsy there. You do know that his dad is like effed up. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So. This is before they, they introduced the concept of Death Eaters. I think that's the mm-hmm. next yep. one, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Azkaban, both on the plot level, tone level, and then the direction of Caron mm-hmm. is where it becomes visually way more interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's doing all kind of stuff with the way he moves the camera through the space of Hogwarts. Yeah. Hogwarts becomes kind of scary. As yeah. opposed to like, mm-hmm. oh, it's Hogwarts, chocolate frogs. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> r- it's like real. It starts to feel real. The world of the wizarding world starts to feel dangerous in the next film. And it, ironically, I was like, oh, okay, Azkaban's the next one. When I before I and I was like, all right, that's, that's great. Like uh, I like that one, so I can't wait to fire that one up. And I went, Chamber of Secrets. That's the second one. And I was like, what are, is this the one where Robert Pattinson dies? No, that's Goblet of Fire. Which one's Chamber <laughs> of Secrets? Is that the one with the spider? And then I fired it up, watched it. I was like, I don't remember any of this. Kind of remember the flying car. Watched it through. Uh, really wanted to fast forward the middle. Yeah, the it middle. has that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I get 20 minutes further down the road. Like, what's nothing moving? Robert, what are your thoughts? So there's, there's two ways to evaluate, evaluate this one. And you guys kind of touched on both. There's one... If you view it as a standalone, then everything is very similar to the first mm-hmm. one. It's just, it's kind of hampered by sort of like what Kat was saying. Another year at Hogwarts. Oh, back to Diagon Alley. Oh, well, we need to fix Harry. Uh, Hermione needs to fix Harry's glasses. There's constant callbacks to, oh, remember last time? We're going to do that again. Here's yep. Let's, yep. let's do Quidditch. Let's watch Harry catch the snitch and all this other stuff that 
it's also the last like uh, bastion for uh, them actually being in classes that have nothing to do with anything. Like there's so much in this that, that is, you can feel the chapter breaks like every yeah, five minutes yeah. and then chapter six, the Cornish pixies. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that in here. This did not need to be two hours and 40 minutes long. Um, you know, they, they, they completely dropped the whole, uh, the point system after this movie, mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. that gets like a, a name drop here and there like, Oh, 10 points to Gryffindor. We never hear about that again. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. they, the beyond this, they, they're, they stop being so slavish with the source material. And they're like, well, we're taking this out. And I know I'm sure Kat has feelings about certain things that were taken out and certain explanations, uh, in, in there, uh, later on, it's particularly with the map. I know they never explained the origin of, uh, the Marauders map in the films, in the later films, which I think was a, a misstep. Uh, but yeah, if you look at it as part of the saga, then it is it introduces some characters we need to know. But other than Tom Riddle's diary being, you know, retroactively a Horcrux, there's not really else. There's not really a whole lot of stuff here that bears yeah. weight yeah. on the rest of the saga. I do love the my my synopsis was going to allude to the fact that it's it feels like a weaker film than the first one mm-hmm. because. It's just repeating a lot of the same beats, but it, it, it's still, the mystery is still pretty fun. It goes a little bit darker uh, and all the supporting players that they bring in. I love, I think Kenneth Branagh is fun. It's Lockhart. I think Julie Walters is, is so great as Molly Weasley. I think that's a, a huge one. Um, and uh, I, Shirley Henderson is moaning Myrtle. I find her, her really funny and <laughs> it brings a totally different energy to these movies. So I, I'm like you guys, like I enjoy it, but it's also, it's one of the least essential films in this, uh, in this saga. So it's just like when they're rolling up to Hogwarts and uh, Ron says, welcome home to Harry. I'm like, exactly. And that's exactly what Chris Columbus was going yeah, for. Yeah. Like, look, come back to Hogwarts and hang out yeah. for another adventure. Yeah. And he's, he's a good enough filmmaker to make that work. But if they hadn't changed directors or drastically did something with the third one, this series would have petered out like Narnia did, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. You can't that you can get away with that once and it works for this movie. And I really love the whole, you know, the the whole ending with the music swelling and Hagrid and everything. And that that's really moving and sweet. I like mm-hmm. all uh, his sentimentality that Columbus brings to it. But yeah, it they couldn't have done that a third time. It would have sunk this entire thing. Uh, we also get Richard Harris yes. as Dumbledore for the last, last time. Yeah. He passed away, I think, a month before this came mm-hmm. out. Uh, so, yeah, I, overall, very I'm, I'm positive, but it's there's a lot of. Uh, reservations. Did I ask? And I also think. Did I ask you guys oh. who do you prefer in the uh, Dumbledore role, Michael Gambon or uh, uh, Richard Harris? I think they're both good. Sometimes I can't even tell the difference, you know, from the. Mm. It's kind of seamless. Um, so I think they both did really well. Robert. It, it was it was I, a little bit of a thing, like adjustment to get to the the, yeah. the new uh, yeah. one. So, but then once you're like in for the next six movies, right. it exactly. you sort of yeah. like you, you kind of like grow to love that per- love him yeah. too. I think Gambon is more fun because he gets to dig deeper into that character. These first two Dumbledore is very like, it has like mm-hmm. a regal presence and he, you know, uh, but Gambon gets to play him more like he's kind of got, got a playful side. Yeah. He's, he's like a little more mischievous and, and Richard Harris didn't really get to, to toy with that too much yeah. in those first two. Uh, so I think it's probably Gambon, but just only because sheer fact of the, that he had, six movies to flesh that character out and to show more dimension. Yeah. yeah. And I also think this, this also helps the main three, because I think if they had tried to go too dark, like, you know, in the third one, they have to dig a little deeper in their acting chops. And I do think, mm-hmm. yeah. um, they're sorting themselves out too, just as actors and like getting to know each other. So like by the third one, when they are having to do a little bit more, I feel like they, they're kind of 
you because you, you they do get better like really you know as they go mm-hmm. on so i do think if it had just skipped over this um and just gone straight to the darkness i don't think they could have done it yeah yeah all right well what's your score what's your rank for harry potter and the chamber of secrets cat we'll start with you most important film series of your life <laughs> yeah so this is my uh third one yeah. so and i gave it a 7.5 okay robert it's also my third i had a 7.2 so pretty aligned with cat yeah i think we're the same <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> yep okay that leaves one more to the reason why you're making your both of you are making triumphal returns to this episode is because uh we're talking Lord of the Rings with two absolute Lord of the Rings fanatics and some guy who's just starting to like them for the first time in 20 years. That's me. <laughs> uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, which was previously my favorite of the trilogy, currently has a 91% Rotten Tomatoes. We'll see if it's still held up for me. This Christmas, the wait is over. They're here. I have made my choice. There will be no dawn for men. There is still hope. The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Rated PG-13. Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers was directed by Peter Jackson with a screenplay by Fran Walsh, Philippa Boynes, Stephen Sinclair, and Peter Jackson. It's a triumph return of all of these people. Last seen in The Fellowship of the Ring. It was released December 5th, 2002, and a budget of $94 million, it made $947.9 million. A divided fellowship finds itself on the brink of war as the dark forces of Sauron gather. Robert, synopsis. The quest to save Middle-earth continues in a middle chapter that enriches, expands, and improves on its predecessor in just about every way. Cat, synopsis. Press play on Helm's Deep over and over again. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Christopher Lee is playing the exact same character here as he did in Attack of the Clones, but I lack zero clarity, or I lack the confusion. I have perfect clarity on what his plan is and what his motivations are, even though they're equally as stupid here. He's cutting down trees to make Urukai super ogres out of them through dark magic. He's now completely aligned himself with an Isengard with Sauron. Yeah, because he's Saruman. Sauron. And um and the and Mordor and he's in he wants to burn down mystical forest and he gets a bunch of hillbillies to help him do it uh and I totally understand it I totally get it I I don't have to know about Sivo Master Sivo Rice or whatever the fuck his <laughs> name was Sifo Diaz yeah yeah <laughs> which which is Sifo Diaz which if you look it up you're thinking it's Diaz D E or D I A Z it isn't it's some fucking weird Star Wars spelling. <laughs> That's Erasure. That's clearly the first Latino Jedi master in history. (laughs) He's cast as what? A gangster and an evil guy. And then they erase his name. It's fucked up. But here, in this all-white movie, uh, got great villains. (laughs) And I I guess the ogres in Urukai are blue-ish. So, kind of. Um, Yeah, I totally understand it. Um, I think this movie does really picks up in the second half. And it really picks up once Gandalf appears to to Gimli, Aragorn, and Legolas. I watched the extended edition 4K of this. Um, and that movie is about two hours too long. It's, well, it's like four <laughs> hours plus. It's like four hours and 20 minutes or some shit. 
It's too fucking long. Whereas the extended edition of the Fellowship of the Ring was perfect. It added, actually added a bunch of stuff. I thought, okay. And I just wanted it to keep going. I didn't want the movie to stop. I wanted this movie to stop after about two and a half hours. I was like, oh God, can something happen? Because the, the pacing's all wrong. It's too spaced out. It takes too long to get to that epic and thrilling finale of Helm's Deep. Um, there's way too much shit with the trees. And I love the trees, but I don't need 20 minutes of them standing around not talking. I just don't <laughs> need that. The hard part this movie has in this trilogy in particular, it has the heavy task of being the stake of the story. This is the meatiest part of the story of it. Mm. And so it doesn't quite have the joys of the fellowship or the satisfaction, the payoff of Return of the King. It's an exceptionally well-made film, um, but it's also the kind of the most downbeat because this is, until the kind of the end, they're getting their ass kicked. This is the hero's low in that epic storytelling format that we know so well. Um, I do have a question. I don't mean to be so sexual in this episode, but I'm going to continue to be. Aragorn and Legolas definitely have their fans. Cat's one of them. Yes. Where are the Gimli guys? Where are the Gimli gals? Who wants to fuck Gimli? Is there anybody <laughs> out there that's into dwarf play? You know, he he's funny. So I think uh, as a, you know, you, you you appreciate the hotness when you're younger, but then as you get older, you want someone <laughs> to make you laugh. So um, he's got a great so personality. I can talk about my day with Gimli. Yeah. He's got a great hey great great personality is attractive too. So uh, I will say I like Gimli too. Cat, cover your innocent ears. Gimli, if all of these people, Gimli eats ass. Gimli's in the back of the bakery. Gimli looks like he'd eat just about anything. Right, that's what I'm saying. 100% so, what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, is Aragorn our last pure protagonist in film history? Is he our last true blue, through and through, always does the right thing protagonist? Not, not that he's not complicated, because he has emotions and feelings and Right. You know, he doesn't make all the right decisions, but is he the last pure protagonist? I feel like a lot of people, even in this franchise, would say, well, they would apply it to Sam, but he's not the protagonist. No. There's a purity to that character, aside from, you know, he, he doesn't, he's not giving Gollum any, like, consideration whatsoever. Uh, that's a good question. I was even watching this movie now trying to apply my uh, Star Wars prequel trilogy, like protagonist uh, handoff yeah. to this. And this pretty clearly feels like an Aragorn driven film. Yes. Uh, I mean, I think the other two, what, what really is impresses me about this movie is that the way that they're able to balance these three stories, one of which is just uh, Mary and Pippin escape, hang out with a tree for the rest of the story. Yeah. And then, destroy Isengard and that's where they hang out until the third movie. Smoke some, and then smoke the some other... weed, which actually isn't weed. Yeah. It's just tobacco. Yeah. But <laughs> right, exactly. they play it up like it's weed. Smoke some weed and then, and then eat a bunch of food. Exactly. Dirty water which, chicken. Know, Dirty, a whole roast yeah. chicken they find in yeah. muddy water. Don't eat that. They, don't, they have limited resources. Uh, and then Frodo and Sam basically going around in circles where yeah. they're at the Black Gate yeah. and then they're like backtracking their long way around. Yeah. Uh, there's one sto one story of these three that actually progresses in in anything close to a linear fashion, yeah. and that's the the Aragorn, um, Legolas, and Gimli stuff. So, yeah, I mean, maybe that's a good thing to consider. I I um I do love that character. I do love Aragorn, 
even though he falls victim to one of the things that this movie does, maybe a couple, maybe once or twice too much, which is a character seems dead. We, the, the audience and the other characters think they're dead. And then five minutes later, we see what really happened. Yes. And they reemerge. That happens yes. a little, a little bit more in here than I would have liked. Do you, uh, but it's the, the editing that makes all those stories. Yeah propel forward even though you stop and think about it you're like well only one of these really had much yeah. happen what's funny is um in uh, last crusade when indy goes over the cliff with the tank or whatever it mm. is and they uh henry is mourning him because he thinks he's lost he's like i've lost my boy and he's crying <laughs> and um john reith davies uh Gimli is as uh, sala is consoling him and trebeard too yeah and trebeard is consoling him and um, they're just all mourning him at the cliff. And it's played very straight. Like, Indiana Jones just died. Now, of course, there's about 20 minutes left in that movie, so we know Indy's not dead. But, and then Indy just sort of, like, walks up behind them and is completely disoriented and covered in dust. And his jacket's, like, half off. And he's, like, looking behind him. He's looking around. And he's missing the hat. And he looks over the cliff. The Aragorn death sequence, I swear to God, felt very similar to that. Where it was like, I was expecting Viggo Mortensen to be like completely disheveled and like just appear behind them and wonder what they're looking at. And then, you know, his elf necklace just to blow in the wind and get back into his hand. It felt very similar, but instead we get like a weird astral projected Liv Tyler who breathes life back into him in the bed of a river. And he has a pro and again, I'm also the extended version. So I don't know if I, this is, I don't remember what happens in theatrical. We go into an extended like flashback of him deciding that she should go off to the aisle of where elves die, where magic goes to die or wherever the fuck they're going. Never, never land. Um, yeah. So I, 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 this is a very good movie. I wish I hadn't watched the extended cut because I think I would have enjoyed it even more if I just watched the theatrical cut um, because it's just paced so it's too much of a good thing. And in, in a way it's just too much. It's too much. Yeah. It has my, this movie has my favorite scene, all of the Lord of the Rings though. And that is when he goes in to see uh, what's his face. The King was, which King is this? Theoden. Theoden. Yeah. Hell Theoden. Yeah. yeah. Um, as Gandalf the Grey, and he's like possessed by yeah. uh, Saruman. One of my favorites. Too. Yeah, and he does an exorcism. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> "I release you," and he's like, <laughs> and obviously it's like way more of Palpatine than Palpatine even is in the Star Wars movies. Like, <laughs> your magic won't work here, Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> and he just flips that fucking coat off, and he's like. The staff! I told you to take the wizard staff! And then he's just like, it's so fucking cool, right? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. like, get out of here, you bitch! <laughs> he keeps <laughs> banging him into the throne. And he's like, oh, no! Yeah, it's great. It's The only thing better than that is like, uh, uh, fucking Osborne being like, finish it! <laughs> <laughs> from evil I, I did I this this era 2002 was the movie year 
where they got elderly people to make caterwauling noises. We're from between Aunt Mary, <laughs> Aunt May, Rosemary, in that hospital bed going, oh, that was I, oh. And then they oh, keep... Yeah. <laughs> It's horrible. Yellow eyes. And then here with Theodore, I'm like, it's just elderly people making caterwauling noises peaked in 2002. Bring back cinema. The movies died when we stopped casting old people to make goofy noises. Um, That's my favorite scene in this movie. I love it. I just, I think it's so great. I do like his emergence. I do like the reveal and then the reveal where they play with the audio where mm-hmm. it's Christopher Lee's voice, but then it's not, but then it's, and then it's kind of their voices blended together. And so you're like, Oh shit, which one is this? Because we only know of right. one white wizard, you know? Uh, yeah. I thought that was great. Um, as a Gandalf guy, I love anything with Gandalf. I do think he's sidelined uh, in most of this movie after he makes his reappearance. It does become Aragorn's story uh, very much. So, and then the stuff with Helm's deep, not all of it's aged well, uh, digital effects wise especially in the extended cut because it goes even longer there. But um, but it's still one of the most impressive battle sequences of that decade of the early 2000s and probably the last two decades. It's just, um, it feels like there's real stakes. You have a sense of where all the characters are. Uh, there's still humor to it when Gimli's like, toss me. And he's like, what? I hear you correctly? He's like, yeah. And he's like, just promise me one thing. Don't tell the elf. <laughs> <laughs> and they're keeping score yeah oh yeah battle, yeah he's like yeah. he's twitching yeah. because his my axe is buried in his nervous system and he's playing with the axe and the guy's legs twitch yeah it was great there's more of a camaraderie between that that yes. triumvirate of aragorn and gimli and legolas uh because they're kind of at odds with each other in the first one they're truly friends now here they've been through hell and back and it's about to get worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and just the, the I really like uh, stories that um, have kind of moral questions to them. And the moral question here is, if you're Theoden, what the hell do you do? You come back out of essentially being possessed by a demon. And you don't remember the last several. You've exiled your nephew who's loyal to you. Your niece is almost getting sexually assaulted by a creepy worm tongue. Um, your kingdom is in shatters, tatters. You've lost so many men. Um, you don't remember everything. You've been greatly diminished. War is now at your gates. 10,000 soldiers are already on the way to destroy your entire kingdom of super orcs. What the fuck do you do? And so when he was like, I don't have the resources to fight. I don't want anybody else to die. All these people mm-hmm. died while I was asleep, essentially. Um, I'm just going to hold us up in this place that's kept us safe before, which ends up just being a kill box. Like, what the fuck do you do if you're him? And when he's like, well, call on whatever. And he's like, this isn't the old days. The old alliances are dead. Like, who's going to come for me? The elves going to come and save me? Or the dwarves? Like, none of these magic fucking fairies are going to come and get me out of this jam. I'm, I'm fucked. We'll just have to let them destroy everything. We'll rebuild. Not realizing that you know, as Gandalf says, like, this isn't, they're not here to ransack your village or maybe Aragorn, you know, they're here to, to end the the days of men. They're here to wipe human beings off the face of the planet. And all that stuff is great because what would you do, Cat, if you're Theoden? What the fuck do you do? You, you wake up, you're burying people, you're burning your son's body or whatever he does. Maybe that's the next one. And, and you know, people, ever, people you loved are dead. 
you're everything's in tatters. You don't know what the fuck to do. You're barely getting yourself dressed again and you got to go to war. What do you do? I mean, I think what he does is, is probably what we would all do. Yeah. Um, cause he also has that, um, you know, you, you I, I really love Theoden's character because I feel like he's one of the Kings that really is, um, I guess like kind of old school yeah. and, and really trying to do the right thing. He's not there because he just wants this, uh, power. We get that from Saruman and the others. And, yeah. and he's sort of probably what Aragorn, Aragorn would be, and probably maybe models eventually what he, you know, he ends up being yeah. king. So, um, uh, just trying to do right by his people, but then also, I guess he, he doesn't want to face the reality of what's actually happening right. too. So it's a little bit of, um, uh, he's doing what he what he thinks is right, but also kind of not listening to reason because, yeah, he I think he already feels so much failure from yeah. being possessed by a worm tongue that he's he. Yeah. And losing his son and, and just being like, you know, it, it must it would just be a shock. So like what he ends up doing, I think, is like what he um, what he thinks is right. Um, and then he, he also is like reasonable because like, you know, when he, when he finally realizes what's happening, I think he kind of gets on the, he gets on the Aragorn and, um, um, Legolas, uh, bandwagon yeah. and like, okay, yeah. yeah, let's do this. He's not just like, you know, we see the, the King in the next movie kind of just, he's lost all reason and, and he's in, in insanity and stuff. So I think it's a nice, um, this movie sort of, it, it's weird because I, um, it's probably my, like my favorite in terms of like the action because we hadn't seen anything like yeah. it. Like in the fellowship, we see a little bit and this one like just comes to a head with the battle of Helm's Deep, which is like still one of the greatest battles. And I think, yeah. um, is like a precursor to, um, I kind of compared it to like maybe uh, game of Thrones, like battle of yes. the bastards kind of battle, yeah. Yeah. um, which they probably mimic this one, which is crazy. Cause it's TV and this is like film. Yeah. So for it to be so good, you know, like, but obviously it's, later years um so i think that's it, it also kind of i think set the tone where a lot of other movies in this fantasy world kind of try to mimic yeah. it but it since this is the first one it's always really hard to do that um and then you get the the cool like orcs and the ladders and it's just oh it's just like so intense for that those moments um it's still one of my favorites but then it's also mixed in with like i have weird feelings because some of the tree stuff even in the theatrical cut is a little slow yep. And even, and the Sam and, um, Frodo stuff is a little slow yep. and like the, um, and, and so like there's moments where I want to fast forward those <laughs> like and just get to the battle. Yeah. And it's weird for me because in other movies I would think like, oh, this is, I don't like this movie as much as the other ones, but they still manage to be like, I know though, just as like a, as a story wise to get to the other parts, you do need those characters. You, you do, you do need that. It can't just be all battle or I, or I think it would have just lost all the substance because we need to understand what's happening in the other world, um, like with the ants and what's happened to them, yep. which is kind of like an analogy to like climate change and things yeah, like that, you know, like sure. just like destroying the earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Industrialism um, from Tolkien's age and, and then um, Saruman and stuff. So I, I think it's, it's really, you see the scope of that we don't see in the fellowship. Um, and then with the battle of Helm's Deep, you see the faces of men and like that there's, you know, worth fighting for and, and, and that kind of thing. And then you see the elves, um, that come in and help. And, um, so there's, I think sort of like chamber of secrets, it sort of feels like in between yeah. there's stuff that happens, obviously this one's on a bigger scale, but it has to happen. And it kind of sets up a lot of stuff, but I think it's my favorite. Cause it is in between, like the first one starts it, this one just continues it. A lot of the stuff we get to see more of it. And then we know danger's on the way, but that means it's going to end. And the third one's always like bittersweet for me. Yeah. So I feel like this one just kind of really 
um, ups the ante and you're like, whoa, that was amazing. How can they even top that? And then it's just like, yeah. they go on. So they can't sm- um, I think it has those benefits. They can't chuck Smeagol into that volcano fast enough for me though. God damn. This character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are, it's not, those are like my least favorite parts, yeah. which I mean, I love Smeagol as a character and I love, um, I, I love it, but I just don't need to see it. No. But it needs to happen or else, like, yeah, you know, it, it's just one of those things you sort of got to go through. Um, what's hilarious, though, is, is yeah. Sam is wrong about everything in the first movie, but he's right about everything mm-hmm. in this movie. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. on the way, he's like, you can't trust him, Mr. Frodo. He'll throttle our necks while we sleep. And he's like, I'm going to yeah. throttle your necks while you sleep. Smeagol. And it's just like, and then for some reason, Frodo's like, I pity him, Sam. He must follow well, us. Well, no. <laughs> I, what I see, I like, I love all that. I love that dynamic with the three of them. I think wrong again, is a Robert. Complex and <laughs> interesting character, and I, I like that because Frodo is currently being worn down by the ring. Yeah, Gollum had mm-hmm. it for I don't know centuries or whatever, yeah. and so he's mm-hmm. to the point that he's transformed into this beast, as we'll see at the opening scene of the following yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, and it's he's he's clinging to the belief that there is redemption for Gollum. Because he wants the redemption yeah. for himself. So it's a cautionary tale for him. So he pities him because he's like, I have to believe he can be saved. Because otherwise, how? what am I going to do when we're done with this? Because I'm going through yeah. the same thing. Robert, I see, Robert, I love hang on a second. Stuff. If you just keep bringing yeah. up themes I and subtext and character things. motivation, uh-huh. it makes it harder for me to tell you you're wrong. So stop it. <laughs> or I'll, I'll you're making too much evidence. sense. Yeah, yeah, stop know, making right? so yeah, much yeah. sense. I'm right. I mean, that's why these... <laughs> That's why these hold up so well. Because even in the yeah. the the battle sequence, like I'm sure that like especially with Game of Thrones, there's a lot of battles that I love that mimic like are um of the the movie caliber. Yeah. But like just watching it again, the reason why it holds up so well is because it's mixed in with the practicality. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of like obviously the orcs, uh, the the wide shots are are CG, but you can't really. There's a few where you can kind of tell, but like it still pretty much holds up. Yeah. And then there's a lot of the um uh he. Peter Jackson did a really good job with like really ho- like a uh, zooming in on like, you know, like the close ups mm-hmm. of the battle, making sure we know what's going on. And also that's like a play on because they couldn't do it's the, the scope of the the bigger mm-hmm. shots. It's probably just too expensive. Um, and that ninety four million dollar budget is so crazy to me. But um, and it yeah. still holds mm-hmm. up. Um, and so you get to see like those intimate moments, even in the battle that it keeps it realistic, I think. And then that's what I think a lot of uh, movies nowadays, they try to just do like the massive scope and it gets lost in the CG yeah, and yeah. you don't really care. Like who's fighting who, what's the perspective it's just goop. And with these, like you, yeah, it's visual. Goop. Yeah, yeah. 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 And here you, you know, there's like thousands of works, but sometimes I'm like, wait, how many people are actually yeah, there? Because yeah. it's just so, yeah. so, so intimate. And I'm like, wait, there's thousands of people in Helm's yeah. Deep. Like, because of that, like it's, it's sort of like a interesting thing because you they keep it um, on the ground, which I think is why it holds up so well. Yeah. And they set up the stakes by going by having you know our heroes observing the you know the citizens of Rohan who are either too old or too young to be really fighting, yeah. uh, and so that we you know we get a, a sense of the, what's it you know who who is laying their lives on the line to defend that. And I love the the dynamic between the two kingdoms of men that we get mm-hmm. that this movie really sets up. It's alluded to in, uh, in fellowship in the scene and the council and then the relationship between Boromir and Aragorn, but here like really digging into Rohan and meeting Aramir and Eowyn. And I think, uh, Bernard Hill as Theoden is like a, kind of oh, one of the MVPs yeah. of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like 
yeah. he, he knocks it everything out of the park and he's kind of drives mm-hmm. a lot of the story. Uh, but even with Faramir and we sort of get yep. like hints of the, uh, the Gondor kingdom that we're going to really delve into in the next one. Like, I love that the, the, the interplay between Gondor and Rohan and well, are these two kingdoms of men going to rise up and unite against this evil? And uh, I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for all of that stuff. Yeah. Would this movie have been it still holds up? They knew what they were doing. Yeah. Exactly. Would it have been better if it was directed by Brett Ratner? <laughs> no. I mean, the answer is always no. Do you want a Brett Ratner Lord of the Rings remake series, like trilogy? They're remaking it. I don't want any remakes. They say they're remaking this trilogy. I don't want any trilogy. remake. I know. I don't know why they're going to do money. that. It, it's money. Like, I could. Oh, yeah. They want money. Brett Ratner? I mean, there's some stuff there's some stuff that can be, I guess, updated, but it just feels like it's gonna be I'm always gonna look to these yeah. and I yeah. and it's it's and it was such a good like he nailed it. Like like yeah. just what it, what not, about the like, Russo brothers? Oh no, it would be so like I've I've been like trudging my way through that Citadel show Even, just because I've started yeah. it. Like it's just horrible. Like like talk about not understanding scope and things and like like Peter Jackson was able to do scope of across all these worlds, mm-hmm. make it feasible, understandable, and still like we care about these characters, um, which I think laid the groundwork for a lot of the fantasy shows that are trying to be yeah. like Lord of the Rings and like um, and they get lost in their own complicatedness, but um, or not understanding how to present it to us. Except like I think Game of Thrones did that well in the beginning, so um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to remake. Even Peter Jackson tried to go back to this. Yeah, yeah, and, and it didn't work it. out. Yeah, yeah, because they didn't know what they were like. It, it was the magic of like not knowing. Like, oh, this actually is going to be like the most amazing thing. And right. like when you're trying to like do the most amazing thing, that's when it sucks. Exactly. What about Lord Miller? <laughs> they could do if Lego it's an animated Lord of show. The Rings. Yeah, Lego Lord of yeah, the Rings yeah. or something. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would see that. And I think that I think they I think they themselves would not do it probably. Right, probably they're like no, they already Peter Jackson already did that. I don't want to. What about Darren Aronofsky? That'd be a lot of contemplation. <laughs> what about Yorgos Lanthimos? Mm-hmm. What about um, Greta Gerwig? No. What about Lars von Trier? Oh god. Mm. That'd be a lot of yeah. What about Damien Chazelle? Mm. Unless we want a musical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What about Terrence Malick? You want his Lord of the Rings? That'll be like a six hour extended edition. Here's the thing, folks. This is happening. I'm giving you a chance to pick your director. Come on now. Although he he would it would be cool to see like him do the elves version. Maybe it would be a lot of like like see seeing like the tree. Like he would do good with the the nature stuff. stuff. Yeah. Like the nature stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I what am I now? Let me give you a name. Let me give you a name. Uh, Okay, I was about to say one. Go ahead. Bong Joon Ho. He'd make a weird Lord of the Rings, wouldn't he? Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'm still a little annoyed we didn't get our Del Toro. Like Hobbit. Well, that's what I was, okay. He's a smart. Is that your name? Is that the name you're dropping? I think so because we know he can do fantasy. We know he loves his monsters. We know he'd stick to practical as much as possible, and we know he was involved in the Hobbit films at one point. So you know he's invested in this world. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, if you're gonna have to do it, it would be someone like him. What about Alejandro Inarritu? No. No. I don't know if that's the right pick either. 
Martin Scorsese. I think I, I think I would do <laughs> like I think I would do Del Toro or Denis Villanueva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That. yeah. What about Christopher Nolan? Yeah, because I think <laughs> you want Nolan's mm. or the Rings. I mean, that could be interesting, but I don't think he he does more of the he he doesn't do creature stuff. So his is right. more like the the big bait, like the the human, you know. I mean, like he did Batman, but that was still like a human yeah. person. So you need I don't someone. The part of the reason that all of these movies work is you need someone like Del Toro, like Jackson, mm-hmm. like Raimi, who's like worked in like the dirty, grimy practical effects stuff. I think that's yeah, what makes... Yeah, we can't have CG. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they all have the experience with like, you know, little after but I don't horror know if, movies. Yeah, and I don't know if nowadays, just because like, I mean, this was cheaper back then, I guess, which is weird, but um, usually, I don't, I think nowadays, like, the details aren't there in movies because they're trying to cut costs. Yeah. And I feel like one of the, the, the things, like, even when I watch this for the 50th time, I find something that I haven't, or I like, you know, like the details are so there with the what a workshop yeah. masterful thing that they yeah. created. And I just feel like it's going to feel like the armor is not going to feel, or like the weapons, like if they don't go with Weta and they, they skimp on the money and they don't really do the detail three year long doing it all at the same time, it's gonna feel um, messed up, and so I just I, I don't I haven't even finished the prequel of the Lord of the Rings on Amazon because I saw the first thing and it was just it felt so like felt like those um, um, like it was fine but it, it was like big in scope and everything but it didn't have like the magic mm-hmm, and heart yeah. of like these movies because you can't recreate that and I think if you're forcing it you can't do it you can't do that I think. Um, I don't know. I think it was just something special. So, I mean, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it, but I don't know if I'll enjoy it. And even I'm one of those people, like, I'll take as much as, you know, content as I can of, like, stuff I love, but I think now I'm reaching a limit where I'm like, no, I need the quality. Yeah. Careful what you wish for. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I, I've changed my mind on that because when I was younger, I was like, oh, I want to see all the, yeah. you know, everything behind the scene. But, but that was like watching stuff that was actually, they were putting thought into. Yeah that I wanted to see. So now I just, I don't know. I don't want it just for the sake of wanting I've it. got four last names. Especially like the Harry Potter, the the Harry Potter. Oh yeah, yeah. You excited for that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've got four <laughs> final director names. I want your instant reactions to them. Alex Garland. Mm, no, that's Not too sci-fi. After Men? No, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Tim Burton. No, mm. not in this era. No, not anymore. Taika Waititi. No, I'm burnt out on him now too. Yeah, I think I think it's that he's not substance based anymore. Ryan Johnson. No, I, mean, I think it'll be too. It's not. It's not the right fit. He's I not mean, creature based. I like the Last Jedi. I know Jason hates it, so I want he deconstructs. I, I want so them I to hand know. Aragorn that broken sword. I want him to chuck it over his fucking shoulder and, and just be a miserable <laughs> bastard the entire time. It's like, uh, who needs protagonists in films anymore? Who needs That's it? Right. Also, also maybe it needs <laughs> to be your be, own protagonist. Yeah, That's yeah. yeah, maybe maybe it needs to be somebody not on that list that we don't know of. It needs yeah. to be sort of like someone who can just go balls deep and doesn't have their own filmography, you know? Yeah. Or like maybe maybe they've made like one or two things yeah. that like pre like pre- Josh Trank thing unless. <laughs> Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow. No, this is mm. <laughs> no. 
JJ this Abrams. is depressing. Let's 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 go back to the just talking about two towers. Okay, all right. And the the well, amazing. What are your final it? thoughts on two towers? And where do you score it? Because it's obviously our number ones of the week, right, folks? Absolutely. Right, yes. So what's what? Mine's number one. What's your final thoughts, Kat? Nine point eight. Nine nine point eight. It's it's one of the weird ones where I can I can accept the bore the the less uh, snazzy parts because I understand why they're there. Um, and then that Battle of Helm's Deep changed my life and the course of what I wanted to do. So wow. I think I, I um, like just loving that sort of fantastical thing and what film could do. So I think I, I owe a lot to Two Towers. I like that so. you self-edited from boring to not as snazzy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not, bo- it's not, bo- it's like what we consider boring. But when you realize a story, like a yeah. storyteller needs to have those parts and it's just... I think it's too like it's not um, boring is not the correct term for that. You, what the score was nine point eight? Is that what you said? Yeah, it's near perfect. Holy mama me! Even with those boring parts, which is funny. Yeah. Holy guacamole! Robert Yanez Jr. Final thoughts yes. of the two towers. Your score, your rank, and don't be wrong this time with your logic and your reasoning. <laughs> um. So last episode. I did a lot of, uh, last time we talked about this franchise, at least, I, I did a lot of saying, oh, it's great, it's great, it's great, but yeah, that's there's no more buts. This is, this is where, like, if we put Fellowship in the vault, like, this is clear, this clearly needs to be in there along with it, in my opinion. And this, of the three, probably works the best as a standalone experience, weirdly, even though it doesn't have a beginning or an end, mm. because it the, the character journeys are so focused, because Merry and Pippin have an arc, because... Gollum even kind of has a bit of an arc where at the end we're just like, oh, I guess he's a villain. And that's where yeah, we end up with yeah. him. Um, you guys, uh, I think, praised in the first movie the whole, uh, you know, all we have to do is decide what to do with the time that is given to yeah, us thing. Yeah. I think the Sam monologue at the end here where he's talking about, you know, mm, the great mm-hmm. stories. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, there's, there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Yeah. I think that... And then afterwards, them sort of having that meta commentary on like, oh, what about Sam? I want to hear more about Sam. Mm-hmm. You know, they think people over all that. I think trumps that. Uh, I love Aowen in this movie. I think it's nice to have a female character who actually does more than, you know, other than Arwen running uh, away with Frodo from the Nazgul. She's basically just a, like literal uh, pixie dream yeah, girl yeah, yeah. <laughs> in this franchise. So it's nice to have a female character that actually picks up a sword and actually gets to kick some yeah. ass, particularly in the next movie. I am no uh, I'll... man. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> I love awesome. how Howard Shore's score to all three of these is oh, incredible. Yeah. Yes. We already oh. talked about the visuals. Um, even things like th- there's there's enough cool moments like Legolas sliding down the stairs on that shield, <laughs> but not like yep. the Hobbit movies where he's jumping on rocks in midair and floating. It's like they, they yeah. tow that balance where it feels grounded enough, even in this fantasy world. Uh, and I love Gollum. You know, people can hear on Franchise Detours right now, Jason and I talking about how great Andy Serkis is in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Correct. And so good. that all begins here. Like yep. this is where mm-hmm. he becomes the king of mocap. And those scenes where Gollum and Smeagol are arguing with themselves, I, I love all that yeah, stuff. I think yeah. it's it's a one-man show for those those periods. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, as Jason and I said on my show, he needs to have an Oscar by now. Yes. Like, it's ridiculous yeah. what he's achieved. He needs an honorary and, Oscar. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Something. Um, so I, I'm not still, I still, more, I sound stronger and more effusive about this than Kat, but I'm still going 9.5 out of 10. Uh, and it's obviously my my best of the week. 
All right, it's time for a recap. Robert and Cat are in agreement that the worst of the week has been in Black 2. Robert gave it a 2.5. Cat gave it a 5. I'm closer to Cat, but it's not my number 5. I disagreed vehemently. The worst of the week is Attack of the Clones, so I give a 4 out of 10. My number 4 is Men in Black 2, which I gave a 6.8 out of 10. Their number fours are clones. Robert gave it a six out of 10 and Kat gave it a 5.2. So higher than me in every conceivable category. Uh, We all agree on number three. Robert gave it a 7.2. It was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Gave it a 7.2. Kat gave it a 7.5. I gave it a 7.0. So we're all right there. It's mid. It's not bad, (laughs) but it's mid. And it's all, it's about a seven, seven, seven to seven and a half. I think we could all live with that. Yeah. Number two, we are all in agreement again, which is Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Robert gave it an 8.2. Kat gave it a 7.8. I am right there with Robert with an 8.2 out of 10. So, and we're pretty close. 7.8, 8.2 is even closer. So we're all in agreement there. And we all agree that number one is <laughs> Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Robert gave it a net 9.5. Kat gave it an almost perfect 9.8. And I only gave it an 8.5. I did not enjoy it this much this time around. But I think that's because of the extended cut. I think it really, I should have watched the theater. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, yeah, I recommend to anybody who hasn't seen any of the Lord of the Rings, watch the theatrical cut first. And if you really love those, then you should watch the extended cut. Yeah, I agree. Because they're theatrical for a reason. I done goofed. I goofed. Okay. I goofed all this episode. So that's your fault. Yeah, yeah, it's my fault. I goofed. I goofed hard. Um, and Robert tried to dissuade me of my goofery through logic and reason and cat through passion. And I would not be dissuaded. They're both wrong. I'm right. Uh, goofery aside. So um, it really doesn't matter who I side with because we basically have the same list. Yeah. <laughs> All three of us. So going on to the guest list is two towers <laughs> going on to the short list is two towers. All three of us are in agreement. It's two towers. I'm going to then make a plea to the audience before we head into Beach Brawl, our very next last movie standing, where the reigning defending champion, the Lady One, will take on uh, a brand new challenger. I don't ever make a plea of, about the vault directly since they don't want to compete in it, but I am going to this time. I think now. I hope you two can join me again when we talk about uh return of the king we can close this out you're two of my favorite guests in the history of the show love you both love having you on um robert we'll start with you what do you got going on what should people tune into here in mid-summer 2023 to late summer 2023 absolutely well if you want to hear more of me talking star wars harry potter and spider-man find uh (laughs) find those episodes on uh, the close watch feed which used to be crooked table podcast uh, I'm also talking X-Men in that franchise, 10 X-Men movies. Please send your thoughts and prayers to me as I try and make my way through all of that <laughs> on Franchise Detours. Uh, and you can listen to both of those on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and uh, other podcatchers, as well as CrookedTable.com. I'm on Twitter at CrookedTable. Cat, one of my all-time faves. Where can we find you? Well, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Things Cat Loves. Um, 
I'm doing the more select film stuff, the film criticism stuff. So, um, you know, a little bit scattered, but I've been doing some reviews over at Awards Watch and just doing a variety of stuff everywhere. And a lot of dog photos on my um, socials, if you want that. A lot of dog photos, <laughs> a lot of visits to movie sets that you're working on that you can't talk about. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can't talk about. <laughs> All right. But when it's out, I'll talk yeah, about it. Okay, very good. <laughs> Um, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate both of you. Two of my favorites, like I said. Um, please support these two, whatever they do in their endeavors. It mean a lot to me. You can find us on social media at Binge Movies on Twitter, at Binge Movies on Letterboxd. Uh, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash binge movies. I've taken on a project so big, it's driving me insane. I'm going through the entire filmography of Albert Pune. Uh, if you don't know who that is, go over on Patreon. I'm doing a long series of special features, audio essays uh, that are very strange. But I'm going. <laughs> I've got other audio essays I've done over there. Yeah, what's an audio essay? Do you like video essays? It's that, but it doesn't have any video. We've got live watches, live streams of some classic video store era movies. We've got. Uh, I'm doing a long form written review series on the video nasties from the UK as well as horror movies from the horror section. And I'm going to be starting from the action section where I'm going into all of the great B-movie action films as voted on and selected by our top-tier patrons. Uh, over 100 action films, over 100 horror movies. I'm going to be covering them all and over like 200 video nasties or some shit. 72 that are on the prosecuted list. Going through all of that, plus instant reactions, even more instantaneously with extended cuts. So if you like the instant reactions where I go to the movie theater, I come back, I react to the film, they get even longer versions on Patreon. We've got four levels of support. I think it's worth people's time. I hope it is. I hope it's worth their money. So that's where it's at. Thank you so much. I hope this VHS summer is treating you well. I need a fucking vacation. This is Jason from Binge Movies. God bless. And until next time, binge on.